Hello, and welcome to the 29th annual award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. Oh, well, 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 it's me, Patrick Gremion, again. I see you have a, you actually went through with it. You've, you've got a full, huge, gigantic knapsack full of baguettes with you. Oh, yeah. No, I have a huge thing. My my lovely breads. Uh, bread, John, bread. Smell it. Smell it through the podcast. Bread, fresh bread. I I, uh. I can't get over Michael Wilkinson, the alternate <laughs> film. <laughs> I just can't get over it. There was a few. There was a few ones for the last episode that I'm still chuckling about. Like, he, hear me out. Hear me out. Like, uh, you know, uh, yeah, Disney like releases all these like, um, like in the '90s and thousands, they would release all these like direct-to-video like sequels to all their cartoons. And so there was one that was like Lion King one and a half, and it was like, what was Timon and Pumbaa doing while stuff was happening in Lion King? They should do a Michael Clayton one and a half, and you just see the the exploits of like Tim Tom Wilkinson. Old Tim Tom learning how to make bread and, you know, he just, just loves Just those bread. hours between when he escaped from when Michael had him in the hotel room yes. until Michael <laughs> runs into him with the baguettes in the street. We don't even get to the part where he dies. It's just kind of the ending <laughs> of the movie is with just him and the bread and we think he's going to, we don't know. It's like, oh, no, though. You're doomed. Uh, You're doomed, no, Tom no. Clayton. You're doomed, <laughs> Tom Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's all just a, a slurry. All of Michael Clayton, just a slurry in my head. Who is that character? Tilda Swinton? I don't know anymore. Yeah, Tilda Clayton. <laughs> Tilda, Tilda Clayton. Clayton. Tilda Clayton. Uh, all right. We should, we should get to our guest here. He said he actually listened to our last episode, which I think is a first among our guests. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. <laughs> Still related, uh, though. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I had to know who won in Devil's Advocate. If Devil's Advocate had a chance of going on. I will say this. The second Patrick voted for Devil's Advocate, I was like, oh, this is going to happen, isn't it? (laughs) I just wanted to throw some His his fine, finely tuned, brilliantly nuanced performances, Lefty and Donnie Brasco, is going to go down. (laughs) One of my favorites of Pacino. To the madness that is John Milton in (laughs) Devil's Advocate. Call me dad. (laughs) <laughs> hashtag the devil's advocate was robbed spread the word you know tell go everyone on, you uh, know yep go go on all the social media go on letterboxd go on uh venmo you know every time you give a venmo to someone just say hashtag the letterboxd was robbed no Wait, from hashtag- what i understand patrick um yeah. you got invited on to the bruce springsteen barack obama podcast to discuss this injustice yeah it's like me uh bruce springsteen <laughs> uh, barack obama uh you know, uh, Tom Hardy. Uh, Ooh, he's there too. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that guy who was. Uh, well, <laughs> was a big, you know what? That big fan of Guided by Voices that was in oh, Jay Obama's. Jay Carney. <laughs> yeah, Jay Carney. He was there too. Famed Guided by Voices fan, Jay Carney. We all decided that we're the five gentlemen. It's me, Tom yeah. Hardy, Jay Carney, <laughs> Barack Obama. We, we all have matching. The new, new higher ground. Uh, Spotify podcast, The Five Gentlemen. I see it. I yeah. see it. Uh, let's get to it. Let's get to our guest. He's died and <laughs> jump in here, I think, and join us in this chaos already. Uh, we got a certified Brian De Palma head here. A Brian De Palma freak. Uh, and my super cool brother, Andrew oh. Saunderson, is in the house. He's a filmmaker, too. He's a terrific filmmaker. We might as well give him yeah. a real credit, too. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Academy. 
Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. And big Pacino head, too. Oh, yes. Yes. Patrick, get ready. Spoiler. Get ready to be overwhelmed with Pacino love. I do like the fact that when we were on the phone the other day, Andrew, you said that I would just call a mulligan and vote all 16 movies the winner. Well, I was just thinking that you could probably just live in this bracket for eternity and just not move on. Yeah, like I will have the same enthusiasm the seventeenth time we vote on Dog Day Afternoon that I did the first time. I'll be like, it's Dog Day, it's great. We watched it again. I didn't know it was. This, I forgot it was this good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm excited because I mean, what I love about this podcast is basically this is Don and I's weekly phone call where we <laughs> talk for up to two hours. A lot of times about Pacino. He he's um he's a fixture put it that way he was a fixture before the show and he'll be um i imagine a fixture after the show i mean we're all dying for house gucci and seeing what he's up to in that so um that's gonna be amazing yeah and get ready we'll do we'll do a special episode folks you can count on the academy academy oh we're definitely gonna gucci it up we're gonna have some (laughs) hardcore gucci up in here i i I forget the title but i saw pacino's in like a couple straight to vod movies that have come out in the last couple weeks playing like the third or fourth lead oh, i'm very no. curious about what he's doing there it looks like he's heading into the de niro zone pretty hard on those uh, he's, becoming, he's becoming one of the boys of bulgaria oh no <laughs> he's he's an actor as an actor and actors need to work man yeah actors hey you know work. what it's all good i'd be more than happy to see him play scott adkins father in something Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, yeah, he shows up like sitting in a chair behind <laughs> Steven Seagal. Yeah, <laughs> I want him to be like, yeah, Dol- Dol- Dolph Lundgren sensei. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, this is uh, Andrew's absolutely right. This is kind of basically an extension of our weekly conversation that we've been having for years and years and years you know the first our our weekly conversation probably could be recorded as a podcast and people would consider it halfway entertaining i think probably yeah Yeah, i mean well (laughs) yeah again i think it's a lot like this yeah like what you watch this week oh check this out you gotta check this one out okay cool dude al pacino rules how's mom and dad bye (laughs) that should be a segment of the podcast how's mom and dad yeah. Remember when Dad showed us this one? And yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. No, it was interesting. On the car ride home uh, earlier today, I um, we were driving with our baby, and uh, "More Human Than Human" by White Zombie came on the radio, and that oh, opens yeah. with that opens with a woman having an orgasm, and Jen was like, "Should we be playing this?" And I was like, "That's ah, good." <laughs> you know? oh, man. I, like, I remember... Going down the same road already. <laughs> That's I, pretty good. I, I like it. <laughs> I remember being like eight and uh, having like a CD mix uh, of music my uncle liked because my uncle was like the bad boy of my family. My mom's mm. brother. Uh, on my dad's side, I have like eight uncles or seven. A lot of uncles. My dad's one of eight. Uh, but uh, uh, one of the songs on that mix was uh, the Thunder Kiss '65. And I was mm-hmm. so, as a child, I was so scared when the screams would come on that I would listen to that song. I would listen to that CD to go to bed, but I would like run out of bed right before I knew when the screams would start in Thunder Kiss 65 and I'd have to stop it and like 
and then like rewind or fast forward like 10 seconds and then I would go every night. I did this for like two years. <laughs> I, I couldn't handle this. I was like, nah, too scared. How, how did you feel when you heard the rest of the song? Did it really knock your socks off? Uh, yeah. Then at the, at the end, I was like, oh, this isn't that bad. Like the, the parts where she's not screaming, I'm like, oh, this is cool. This sounds like, this is like what it'd be like a Frankenstein song, a song. I like this. <laughs> it, is, it is interesting though. Like I remember, uh, dad showed us die hard of course when we were way too young andrew oh, and yes. he had us c- close our eyes what on yeah, a couple I'm... parts <laughs> well, i think only no well my memory of it so and every story that don has told on this podcast just imagine me being four years younger and going yeah. through it <laughs> <laughs> and so i remember i remember watching die hard when i was in kindergarten Mm-hmm. And I remember my me- my recollection is that he only covered our eyes when Nakatomi gets shot. No, Takagi. Takagi. Yes. Sorry. When Takagi. Yeah. 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 And um, but the rest of the movie was fine. <laughs> when, and in retrospect, when you watch it now, you're like, man, I think pulling glass out of the feet is a little worse than the like. The I remember of the guy getting shot. <laughs> well, I remember the guy's knees getting blown apart and turning into like lamb chops. I mean, yeah. it's like it's good oh stuff. God. It's good. Yeah. I remember too, like the thing that uh, that got me in it that Dad didn't have was when Carl comes back at the end, all like burnt up, mm, and he looks like out. a horror movie character, and he's coming back. But luckily, Family Matters was there to, um, you know, save the day, as we all know. You know, because he you know he. <laughs> I never forget. I had this friend in high school. We watched Die Hard together, and when Al Pal goes, "I shot a kid," he just screamed from the back of the room. Name was Urkel. <laughs> it's like that. That's one of the best things I've ever heard. <laughs> and that that makes it, folks, two episodes in a row in which Urkel has been referenced. Oh yeah, no, on it's, our it's a, Al Pacino podcast. It's a trope now. Yeah, I, I did. I, I did look up to see if Tom Wilkinson and Al Pacino had ever worked together, and they have not, as far as I could tell, done a film together. But I was trying to find a picture of them together that I could put on Twitter for everybody to really enjoy. But um, yeah, no such luck. They make a heat heat too. (laughs) Tom Wilkinson plays the brother of Robert De Niro. Yeah, (laughs) easy. And they're both like 80 year old men chasing around, chasing each other around Los Angeles. They just follow the Die Hard 3 plot line. Yeah. Die Hard with a Vengeance. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Gino, that'd be tough for him. It it would be tough. And, you know, one thing I've noticed is that Al Pacino's a heck of a runner. And that's going to come up in at least one film today. Yeah. It's fascinating. I mean, when I was doing research for today, um, one thing that came up that struck me was De Palma is obsessed with the way that Pacino moves <laughs> and wants to capture Pacino moving in wide shots as much as possible. Yeah. He's like, he's just moved so beautifully. <laughs> Karina Longworth said that... Um... He acts in Scarface as if he has a magnetic device in his crotch, and the other end of the magnetic device is attached to the camera. <laughs> He's just moving toward <laughs> it at, at all times. Uh, 
I, I think it's pretty astute. <laughs> um, uh, you know, look at the film Scarface and all. I mean, it, it, we'll get to it, but he is so physical. I mean, he's well, like, it's amazing. I was surprised how much up and down dancing there was when he's first <laughs> dancing with Michelle Pfeiffer. There's a lot uh, of floor to ceiling moves. And I wanted to ask you guys as experts now on what what do we think of Pacino as a dancer? He's better in Carlito's way. Oh, much. I think. Like when him and Sean Penn are just having a great dude's time celebrating getting off in court in the in the toward the top of it that just, scene is amazing oh, oh it's yeah, awesome that's just, it's like two, that's awesome. just two dudes having fun that's <laughs> yeah. just like i hope i was like man these are such good vibes this is gonna yeah. be the whole movie right just two dudes <laughs> having fun right <laughs> sean penn a man you could trust definitely <laughs> <laughs> that scene seals the movie that that is the entire thing that makes the whole movie work because dave's my brother i owe him yeah <laughs> And then uh, Dave conti- continuously acts like a complete and utter loose cannon and psychopath. Uh, and man. you're like, Carlito, just get out. He's not worth it. Go yeah, with Gail. <laughs> he acts like a, a psychopath, a loose cannon, and, and and above all, the worst thing, a nerd. Just a yeah. total, oh, just well, a dork. Okay. Just a, just we, a we, man we, who clearly was wedging throughout Choate or whatever nice prep school he went to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was definitely, um, if Dave had survived the 80s, he almost certainly would have been a little St. James with Epstein and that crew. God, yeah. Yeah, oh, totally an Epstein freak. Yeah, he's, he's, oh, and speaking of which, we're going to be all over the place, but I have to, I I just remembered, um, Alan Dershowitz, another Epstein figure, was so upset with Sean Penn's portrayal that he threatened to sue because they thought they were making fun of him. <laughs> oh my God. I have a, I which have is, a... yeah, I believe it. I totally yeah. believe oh, all totally. of that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, man, there, there's so much fun stuff in all these movies. Brian De Palma, I think as the years go by and there are less filmmakers who come, who are even close to as audacious yeah. as Brian De Palma. The more I'm like, I appreciate all of his. He's just, he doesn't settle. And he truly, truly believes this idea of like, I'm going to make art that can only be a movie. Mm. Like, this, even though I read his novel last year too, by the way, I had to do it. <laughs> but, um, but, and it's just, it's just so, both these movies are prime examples. It's just so thrilling of what he does with every single shot. There's Both just, of these movies are amazing. Yeah, I love yeah. <laughs> I love them for different reasons. And I mean, I don't know. Don, Don, what's your relationship with Scarface? When did you? I always, I think, you know, grow up, you know, being in college and like the height of the Cribs era mm. um, and kind of the running joke about everyone having a Scarface poster up in every episode of Cribs. I honestly, and also, um, so I worked, as we all know, I worked at the record store and DVD store all through college. Um, Scarface was out of print for quite a long time during the height of this era of Crips on DVD. And we must have gotten three to five questions a shift. Hey, you guys got Scarface? No, it's out of print. And then half the time it's a young dude going, get the fuck out of here. And it's like, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. And then when it came back, it was like, 
one of the biggest sellers we had. And I think I just got that whole, it's a very classic Don. Andrew can vouch for this Don mindset of like, oh, it's not cool if everyone's into it mm. kind of thing. And I was like, no, give me snake eyes <laughs> or kind of like <laughs> attitude like that when yeah. it came to the Palma movies. But be home I'll, movies. I'll, I'll, you know, we'll, we're going to get to Scarface momentarily. But <laughs> I found this screening relevatory. Like I was blown away. I was like, this movie is like fucking great. <laughs> and I loved every second of it. It's a fast 170 minutes compared to some of the other long I mean, geez, it's only like 10 minutes longer than Scent of a Woman, and you feel every single second of Scent of a Woman, I mean, oh, compared yeah. to this. Like, De Palma knows how to make the thing move. And the movie has, like, such a... Like, and almost all of us do, but Scarface has got such a brilliant, seedy, sweaty mm. um, kind of virality to it that's unmatched, the, almost. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the... Production design and the scale of that film is just incredible. I mean, it, right when when um, Manny and Tony get put into Freedom Town, and it and it has that crane it shot it of goes the, over the fence, yeah, over yeah. The fence, through the cars, through the freeway, down into the. And dude, like falling hundreds. off, of, falling off of things, and doing like big stunts. And stuff he like he does it twice. I mean, he does it with like Manny coming into frame, and we're then we follow Manny, and we then we find Tony playing basketball. Oh, and, which uh, which could be put with the dancing. Like, oof. what are they doing? Yeah. Oh, there's so many <laughs> moments in this is... movie. Yeah, there's some. Again, I love I love this movie, but there are definitely these moments in this film where like um, people are doing stuff, but it's like the movie version of doing stuff. Like I think of like the moment where like the the riot happens, and there's just a bunch of dudes with two by fours for some reason. Some of them just like lightly tapping things, not really like doing. Yeah. It. And it's like, where did they steal? Did they go to a Home Depot and just buy a bunch of two by very clean two by fours? <laughs> like, but it's still good though, and it, I love it, that like they. Uh, Andrew Andrew's still right though. It's like just the sheer amount of like camera move and oh, yeah. extras and everything that had to be happening to pull that off apparently drove Pacino absolutely crazy oh, well yeah. I noticed that and, and that was a very like I mean I don't know if you noticed that as well where that shot where it goes and then it starts following Manny and you're seeing all, and you're seeing all that I was like there's no way Pacino's in this shot because he's not going to have patience to like <laughs> do that that entire setup that probably took just so long to mm-hmm. execute and I was just like, I'm. I bet Pacino's not in this shot. And but it's like cut to basketball. They got to give him some business to do. Yeah, yeah. So rugby, football, basketball. God love him. I mean, he throws up a shot before he leaves, and he goes, "That was close." And it was like, it was not. It's in care. It's in character though for Tony to think to That's say true. that. Um, um, but I, yeah, I we should get to um, it, your autobiography. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're not even in the movie yet. <laughs> We're not even in the movie yet. <laughs> we haven't done the stats. We're going to be bouncing around because and I think that, you know, these movies are different, but I do think that there is like ample opportunity to make some comparisons too. Oh, there's yeah. tons. There, I mean, and I and the critical reception of Carlitos way was definitely kind of jaded by the scarf the love of scarface and what what they thought the intentions were behind carlito's way was mm-hmm. i think 
misconstrued. Yeah, I think people were trying were expecting like the ultimate mean badass. And not that Carlito doesn't have his moments, but he's definitely like a more introspective character. Than- he just wants to go to the Bahamas with Gail. Yes, Gail. <laughs> Start his <laughs> rental car business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is almost the saddest uh, lion in Gene Hackman's uh, car wash and scarecrow. Oh God, yeah, a lot of sad people. Well, he, I mean, we we said it. We've said it multiple times. He is just. A genius at playing people who are not going to win. Like he's, he's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I so my alto biography. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. is that what it is? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to say that the first thing I saw was probably Godfather One. Very young. <laughs> um, I had a vague memory. And Don, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember only Godfather 1 really playing that dad wasn't playing Godfather 2 that much. Yeah, I agree. Because like even when we rewatched him this time around, I mean, I have Godfather 1 pretty memorized. Oh, wow. And Godfather yeah. 2, God, there are still kind of some surprises in Godfather 2. Might have to do with the length. I mean, I you know, dad was just here. I talked to him about it. I mean, he knows godfather 2 quite well as well yeah i I remember it starting later like Mm -hmm. but i remember just one playing um and so i think that kind of just started off by he was this figure from my childhood you know being told that this is one of the greatest films ever and being like watch this and from there I mean, I will watch any Pacino movie that comes my way. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's so it's gone so far. I'll put it this way: where my wife put uh, as my web browser homepage. So anytime I opened up to go to go on uh, a website, the first thing that comes up is Pacino's speech from the local stigmatic. That's on <laughs> YouTube. His monologue. Yeah. So anytime I just go check my email, the Gino pops up. And uh, you you have um, sent me text message links to that speech on more than one occasion. On more than one occasion, I think. If you if you enjoy Pacino as much as I do, to see him do a Cockney accent is one of the funnest, most entertaining things. Uh, to me, at least, and <laughs> there's some there's some just winner lines that you know rank up there with his great lines in that speech from the local stigmatic. Everyone should watch it if you like Pacino, you know, and haven't checked out the local stigmatic. It's worth a watch. We're gonna be covering it in um, two weeks, oh, two yeah. three weeks, I believe. Mm-hmm. Something one of those two, but it is coming up. It is unfortunately not streaming. Mm. So, um, you know, yeah. we've, we've the, the Academy Academy has been working diligently behind the scenes to score out of print DVDs of, yep. of the local we're trying to We're trying to strike, strike a deal with Tubi right now to get them <laughs> to put it on their website. They can put it in between, uh, you know, the, all the Frank D'Angelo movies and Eric Roberts movies from like 2017. I noticed that there was. Um, <laughs> I heard Patrick, you, you referenced the t- a talking cat the other day. <laughs> uh, like... It's so. Hmm. 
Don, check out the a talking cat. <laughs> it's like a movie where um, the the vocal the the vocal recordings on this podcast sound clearer than Eric Roberts's. <laughs> he just held up his phone. <laughs> oh yeah, he was definitely like um, solving a crossword puzzle in a park, or uh, <laughs> you know, eating Papa John's in his van. He's a pro. He's a pro. (laughs) I know. I love him. He's a king. I love him. Yeah, I do too. I think we could get him on this podcast. I think we could get Eric Roberts. I think you could get him. I if we paid him like his hourly rate or something. I yeah, probably. (laughs) I don't know. Well, but to get back to the Pacino um, filmography, um, I think. You know, when I was in college is when I really started, I think, kind of taking film seriously as like something maybe I wanted to do. And that's when I was really diving into Panic and Needle Park um, and then Dog Day, which I thought was one of the best films I had ever seen. Um, and then obviously Godfather 2 is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he... Heat must have been high school, must have been around there. And then I'm pretty sure I saw Scarface for the first time in high school. And it was an interesting time because I remember, because hip hop was becoming the mainstream, you know, taking over rock in Seattle, Washington, after grunge had held on for (laughs) a while. And then um, with that kind of Scarface becoming part of pop culture, part of Cribs. And so all the friends that I had from the middle school that Don and I both went to, you know, most of them went off to this to Ballard High. And I remember all those guys just really being into Scarface, quoting the rules from Robert Loja. That was, (laughs) I remember that being a big thing. And (laughs) I was just like, I was like, I, I, maybe I'm too much of a nerd, but I was like, I'm never going to be <laughs> like dealing like <laughs> bags and bags of cooking. <laughs> like rule number one, don't get high on your own supply. I was like, I don't know where to get a, any supply. I don't know. Are you talking about supplies? Like you get the kind you get at office, Max? Yeah. You can't get high off of pencils, sir. And I, I think Andrew, that may be part of my kind of like questioning of Scarface then too was kind of just like, the, and I even this time I was like, people relate to this guy. Yeah, that is so <laughs> crazy to me that it's just he is like such a. It's kind of like I watched Raging Bull recently and I've forgotten like, oh yeah, Jake Lamada is like he's a bad guy. He's bad. He's not a good. <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10 on the bad scale, he's probably a 9.5. And it's like, oh, yeah, Al Pacino's, yes. Character. What did we give uh, Wayne Grow, the stamps.com creep oh. of the week? Oh, yeah, 100%. Wayne Grow is the stamps.com um, creep of the week. 100%. Jake LaMotta in Raging Jake Bull. Is our yeah, creep Jake of the week. LaMotta, our stamps.com creep of the week, taking the award from Jeffrey Jones. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't give it to Jeffrey Jones in spirit. Last yeah, episode. oh, he's perpetually, it's like a little statue of Jeffrey Jones. Yeah, yeah it's like, oh, you, you know how there's the guy, the Oscar guy, it's a Jeffrey. 
<laughs> hey, Epstein, it works on two levels. There we go. Oh, yeah, look at Nine that. Man, what, a, what a spicy That's a, That's I real uh, symmetry. That's cohesion right there. Oh, yeah, the um, end the end. But yeah. Andrew, one one I know I remember from our childhood, and I think we brought up before, but was uh, Dick Tracy. Oh, That was interesting, because I was looking at the filmography, and Dick Tracy didn't land as much with me as it did with you, for sure. Because I remember you dressing up as Dick Tracy twice <laughs> for Halloween, but I didn't dress up as him once. I I think I I want to say I don't even remember how young I was. I don't even like There's a there's a part of me that I think was almost trying to talk myself into Dick Tracy being cool. And I was like, no, come on. It is I'm right. I mean the, the comic I, I always thought the comic was cool and I and he had that crazy square jaw. And it was just, and there was like really heavy contrast. He was always kind of operating in the shadows. I liked it as a comic book, but I remember the movie didn't hit with me as much, but I also think like it's a weird movie for adults that plays with kids themes. Yeah. Like it, it, it's very odd. Like, cause like the, the kind of sexuality with Madonna kind of already throws it. For, yeah, for like a very Beatty, young kid. Beatty wanted to like have it both ways. The Beatty, because he hadn't met Annette Benning yet. So Warren Beatty's like, well, my guy's still got to get laid, right? <laughs> and, you know, it's a kid's movie, but I'm Warren Beatty. You know, come on. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, so- it, it is interesting if you look at the cast list on Dick Tracy, though. It's like when you're a kid, you don't know this, but like now it's like, you're looking at it, it's like, oh, it is the new Hollywood all stars are all of the villains in the movie. Right. It's like, not it's like dustin hoffman um james con we talking new hollywood already we're talking yeah. <laughs> wait when are we not talking new hollywood <laughs> we're always talking new hollywood <laughs> you know but it is is very funny it is Beatty getting like all of his buddies together for this weird movie in which they all had to wear makeup and you know ostensibly a kid's film well it, it, there's a great new hollywood tie-in with this with Carlitos way, which oh um the judge. Are no, you... was it? It wasn't the judge. It was a, it's um why Penn did the movie. Oh um, I don't I don't know this part. So he could fund the crossing guard. Oh, with Jack Nicholson and Pay Jack, Pay Jack, yeah. But you know um the judge at the top of Carlito's Way, is played by Paul Mazursky, who directed Bob, Ted, Carol, and right. Alice. Ah. Among other, like, very <laughs> extraordinarily fun, but extraordinarily 70s movies. I think I, like, he did, like, The Pickle. I think that's, like, the one movie I remember by him. <laughs> he's, he, he's very, like, um, <sighs> kind of oh, West... Okay. What, oh, West Coast romantic mm-hmm. comedies, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, there, there's some fun, I mean, cast wise, there's some fun crossover between these movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. Same. So, um, yeah, let, we, maybe we should just, uh, maybe we should just get into it here because I think we want to. There's just so much to get into with these two films. So, we're going to open it up with Scarface from 1983, directed by Brian De Palma, screenplay by Oliver Stone. The uh, was released. It, it was um, budgeted at uh, 
somewhere between 23.5 to 37 million dollars. Mm. Uh, at the box office, it made 66 million worldwide. Right. And according to De Palma on the De Palma documentary, which we gave you all as homework and highly recommend you watch, it did not do as well as they thought. Mm. And uh, it only kind of gained steam through the years. And even De Palma, I believe, is a tad surprised by the um, <laughs> by its current <laughs> reputation. Um, the movie was pretty... Uh, Roger Ebert liked it. But um, a lot of critics and a lot of people were pretty, uh, pretty troubled by it um, due to its violence. It's uh, at that time record setting use of the word fuck um, and just general 170 minutes of bad behavior. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of is what it would say. And, and combined with uh, De Palma's maximalism, mm. you know, and even like apparently uh, I like uh, Leonard Malton on it he gave it one and a half stars said it wallows in excess and unpleasantness for nearly three hours three hours is italicized and (laughs) offers no new insights except that crime doesn't pay at least the 1932 movie moved he added an addendum in his later edition stating that he was surprised the film had even found newfound popularity as a cult classic um the movie has a uh 82 percent though on Rotten Tomatoes. I have a feeling some of these are newer reviews as the movie has gained steam. And, you know, as we've all learned, most Brian De Palma movies don't start off being all that uh, critic friendly. But then over the years, everyone's like, wait a second, this movie totally slaps. Um, Critical consensus is director Brian De Palma and star Al Pacino take it to the limit in this stylized, ultra-violent and eminently quotable gangster epic that walks a thin white line between moral drama and celebratory excess. Uh, no Academy Award nominations. It did get three of the, oh, shamed Golden Globe <laughs> nominations. Um, it shamies. was sh- the Shamies now. Why don't we say it? Yeah. Uh, best original score, which is a great, great call. Oh, yeah. uh, best supporting actor, Stephen Bauer. And of course, Best actor, Al Pacino. Um, yeah, this movie has, obviously, we kind of talked about it, and I'm sure among all of our listeners' friends, there's a reputation to it as well. But watching it with fresh eyes, I know all of us kind of hadn't seen it for a while or it was our first time. And, yeah. um, man, this movie's cool. Yeah, my only experience <laughs> with this movie was, like, they would, uh, at the Mark Echo store at the Galleria near my house, they would play this movie on mute in loop. <laughs> Like on TVs and like I guess like kudos like it's the only mo- movie I know that's used as like decoration like nobody's yeah. doing that with like uh, the client you know at yeah. at Brooks Brothers they're not like yeah they're not playing uh, the Pelican Brief at Banana Republic J, J- Crew is they showing should. the artist on a loop yeah <laughs> I would love to walk into a store and they have like the firm playing yes yeah. That would be a really, like, very, very hip choice. It would be yeah. very interesting. <laughs> Going to Old Navy and it's just huh. King Ralph on a giant yeah. screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd man. That Old Navy, hell yeah. But yeah, Andrew, you said you hadn't seen it for a while. And no, it had been a long time. I was just looking at um, what came before this, and I was surprised the blowout was right before mm-hmm. for De Palma. 
And Blowout how did, how, how was a blowout big, do? It was a bomb. Right. It really bombed. And, you know, when we watched it, <laughs> we, we, before we jumped on, we talked about it because I know Patrick watched it recently. I oh, watched yeah. it almost immediately after I did this. Andrew, you're pretty familiar with it, too. Um, I love Blowout. It, it's my favorite De Palma movie, just period. But I think, like, <laughs> like when, we, when we finished it, both Jen and I looked at each other like, I can kind of see how that didn't do so well at the box office because it's just... It's a devast. It's a true one of the few truly like mainstream movies that's also completely devastating, and um, I couldn't recommend it higher. It's so good. It's like it ends like the the nicest character gets like it's so sad. Well, it's, it's it, uh, not a blowout podcast, but we can briefly diverge. Um, yeah, I love Travolta and Nancy Allen together in that movie, oh, and I so think good. that they're so sweet and so doomed because they are in a world that they are that they just they're so over their heads and they're so kind of like naive and sweet sweetly naive about the entire thing and boy it's i mean it's my favorite travolta performance too yeah i would agree too well it's like one of the few i feel like it's like a travolta performance before like so many travolta performances just feel like john travolta and this is like the one where it feels like he's playing like a real human being and there's no like artifice. Um, <laughs> he pulls it's, off being a Foley artist. Yeah, yeah. he does. It's, which is crazy. You can, yeah. like, it's like, I don't think it's like, can... <laughs> I mean, someone should be like, dude, you're really handsome. Maybe you should be in front of the camera. <laughs> Another example of a, a hunk that. Oh, I, I, I still can't get over Evan's point in the last episode, too, that. Keanu Reeves has to get rid of his dumpy rube wife. Char- it's 23 such year a good old Charlie's the wrong. Insane. Yeah. It's like interesting casting call. I don't agree. <laughs> but, but I mean, like, yeah, I think um I think De Palma needed a was looking for a hit. With well, at, did, and didn't this come from Pacino to yeah. first start? Yeah, and um, they went to Sidney Lumet first, mm-hmm. and he developed it. Um, but then, um, apparently, Pacino wanted to play Paul Muni. He wanted yeah. he he wanted to embody that performance from the original Scarface. And yeah, somehow Pacino had like bumped into seeing the original and became right. in a very like actorly kind of way obsessed with like, oh, this is the right thing, you know, <laughs> like and he, you know, and so he was just pushing it. And he went to Lumet first because they thought. Uh, what I want to, you know, bring back that Serpico um, Dog Day Afternoon magic. And I guess that um, Lamette kind of butted heads with them on um, Lamette wanted kind of this classic Lamette kind of political docudrama elements. Lamette came up with the Cuba. He did. Sort, yeah. The take on it. Yeah. And he just wanted to pump up the make it even more like political and conspiratorial about the United States. And um, I think that uh, Bregman, the producer who was also uh, Al Pacino's um, manager for a spell, they wanted kind of something a little more, um, a little more pizzazz to it. Bregman's awesome. Yeah. A real Hollywood guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I have more to say about Bregman on Carlito's way again. Okay. Yeah. Um, So, the, and then uh, simultaneously, this interesting story is Brian De Palma was um, 
one of the big projects he was developing was Prince of the City. Um, of, actually, I think this was a little bit earlier, similar time frame. But um, he, Brian De Palma did a ton of development on Prince of the City, and then somehow it got switched over, and Sidney Lumet basically took the project from De Palma, mm-hmm. which left a bad taste in De Palma's mouth. And I recommend Prince of the City highly. <laughs> like Sidney Lumet did a great job. And um, so De Palma was hat more than happy to take over Scarface from Sidney Lumet. And um, De Palma brought in his own writer, uh, David Rabe, who apparently on the De Palma documentary, he said, he's like, I will work on this film as long as I have can take no meetings or no notes from Bregman or Pacino. And De Palma's like, okay, I think we can, we'll try that. <laughs> and Pacino's like, do you think David could come over? And he's like, and De Palma's like, ah. so I give him a call and he quit on the spot the second Pacino invited him. And so they brought in um, Oliver Stone, who at that point had directed one movie, he directed The Hand, a horror film. Hmm. Um, and he was a, you know, kind of, I think he'd already done Midnight Express. He'd already written that at that, this point. He was definitely like, on the rise and you know already a total lunatic mm-hmm. like apparently had once he got this project he like dove in and was like hanging out with cartels and like the, Miami the, and, o- the opening of the film feels like an oliver stone film oh yeah yeah, yeah. Absolutely. i was like oh this feels like it, it's made by oliver stone yeah and he um very hands-on very into it i guess he was like a total doing all the research and every like preparing to write it he was a just almost degenerate cokehead. And then he moved to Paris and quit cold Turkey to write the script because what did he say? Um, I got to get his quote. Cause it's really good. Um, it's uh, yeah. He said he um, basically Coke does. Um, okay. Uh, I don't think cocaine helps writing. It's very destructive to the brain cells was Oliver Stone's quote. Good to know. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. <laughs> Illuminating. <laughs> I like that uh, one. But he, um, so, so he was on, but he was on set or like for the first portion of the filming and mm-hmm. he'd already made a film and he's Oliver, he's Oliver Stone and we know kind of what he was going to become. Right. And I doubt it was that big of a leap in his ego to what he became. So Brian De Palma banned him from the set pretty quickly because <laughs> right and rightfully so, because he didn't want Pacino going to stone, for instance, for any level of um, any level of guidance. And I'm sure stone has his opinions on, Oh, you know, stone definitely felt like De Palma was a little too um, De Palma, you know, slick with all the shots and everything like that. And you know what, man, the shots and the style are what take this movie over the top. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like they're all like little, like he directs these like diorama. It feels like I'm watching an interactive diorama that he's slowly walking me into. Like it feels like this is like because it's like a real set and stuff. I understand, but the way he films it, it's like he made this like you know one twentieth sized, one uh, twentieth one twentieth scale sized little world with little people ending in the cupboard style, and it's like I'm witnessing that it's very it's very well done it's very beautiful because he, he's shooting like 180 to 270 
and it's always craning. It's always kind of like coming yeah. in from out of the sky and turning. And so you're seeing the entire worldview. I mean, I think you're right with the whole kind of diorama because he, he wants you to see this world so vividly mm. and how much, how much color and atmosphere that he throws in this. I mean, the, the shot, the, um, when they say three months later and they're on the beach and mm. it starts out on the beach and then it comes over to them sitting uh, at that table poolside mm. and there's just the most amount of extras. Like I have seen just not really doing much and it's just like, man, you just have to have just a ton of people around and and it's it's really incredible the scale that he pulls off for a very basic establishing shot yeah you feel like your perspective is like i'm the, it's like you're the world's luckiest condor you get to see like all these <laughs> like like what a great place i'm flying through this is awesome and people are gonna die soon a lot of dinner like yeah no, it's yeah like, yeah well yeah it's like it's so beautiful but the movie is so I mean, just the, oh my God, like the opening violence sequences, especially obviously the, the chainsaw scene. The, oh, but the shoot at that follows and that bump that guy takes down the stairwell is so great. <laughs> like That yeah. flip is amazing. Yeah. That, that stunt man is incredible. Yeah. Whoever did that. Yeah, a real Jackie Chan level dude. And it's just, but I think he. Um, so that guy, yeah. play, that guy plays Carlito's old boss in Carlito's way. Oh, yeah. Man. The guy with the chainsaw. I he he is he goes and visits and like kisses the ring. Mm-hmm. I, and I was like, oh, and and then also the guy with the fedora. Yeah, who's on his crew. CC also. Yeah. yeah. CC. Oh man, I but, love. Um, and even like uh, at the party, which okay, in Carlito's way, that party they have at Dave, which I think is like the most unnerving part of the entire movie, in my opinion, is David Kleinfeld's insane. It's party. awesome. It's so. I mean, it's gross. I love it's really it's crazy. Crazy. It's awesome. yeah. That shot is amazing. It's it's awesome, <laughs> yeah. but it's also like awesome the way a Hieronymus Bosch painting is awesome. Where it's like, <laughs> this is cool. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be chased by the the it's weird. <laughs> Yeah. 80s it's, Caligula kind of yeah. thing going on. Like, like, it's like, I don't want to walk into this suburban Pasolini film. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think, um, yeah, but, uh, but, but Nick is there. Nick the pig is like at that party. <laughs> he's the guy that throws over the chair or whatever when he's doing coke and dancing. Jesus. But um, I did know I, one thing oh, that, yeah, I, that did stick out to me that I loved and just kind of tracking, like, obviously, I'm always wanted to see how kind of De Palma works. And both movies have this device where 20 minutes in, in Scarface is the chainsaw sequence. Yeah. 20 minutes into Carlitos way. John is, Ortiz, when John Ortiz brings him to it's the, pool. the pool hall. Yeah. And, they, and I know they justify him where it's like, we're going to do something so intense and so gripping that the audience will be with us for like at least an hour. Yeah. Like we don't, they don't have to expect yeah. a no. ton, you know, like. No, yeah. Once you see the chainsaw, it's like, oh, okay, I'm sold. Like he got me, he hooked me. That's a good, that's a good piece of, that's a nice worm on that hook you got there. I'll, I'll chew on it for a while. <laughs> but uh, one thing, um, one thing Andrew and Patrick kind of mentioned, and I, 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 whenever I think of Brian De Palma and I, I think like the best thing I've ever learned Mm-hmm. from anything he's gets he's he's a great talker if you've ever heard him do an interview he's incredible mm-hmm. but um his obsession and rightful obsession with the geography mm-hmm. of 
the universe he's presenting. He wants you to know and have a good grasp on where everyone is going and what, what the space is that they're in. And he really, I mean, even if you go to like a movie like Mission Impossible later on, which has bigger action sequences, mm-hmm. you know, ever like when he goes in that room to rob the knock list, you know, every aspect of what's going on. He, he gives you, he provides visual information better than almost any, almost anyone. Yeah. I mean, the establishing of the Babylon club, mm-hmm. you know, we, yeah. we go in and we see the entire scale of it, where the booths are. And so by the time that shootout happens, mm-hmm. like everything is late. I mean, you know, that entire club by the time that happens, because the bathroom scene with Gina has already happened. Like, you know, all the exits, you know, everything about oh, yeah. that yeah, club. Right. And you could say the same thing about uh, Carlito's boat club. In even Carlito's more so. Way. I would say even more so. In Carlito's. Uh, guys, uh, we got to got to We got to make a vote here. What's the best club Ooh. out of these two? Which one would you rather go do some disco dancing? In? I, I got to say, I, I'm going to vote Scarface just because I, I got to see that weird clown performance i was going to ask if you guys had any richard, idea what richard, that was. richard belzer's there and belzer <laughs> yeah and the weird which i love my favorite moment in all of scarface is the guys are about to pull the gun out and shoot you know uh tony montana and then weird fat clown man doing a uh, the Frank Sinatra routine comes out and they, they put the gun back and we're like, we gotta see what this guy's deal is. What's <laughs> what's up with this weird clown, man? <laughs> like, like they're... <laughs> I, I will say with that scene <laughs> that I wanted to address with Pacino in particular is that he is bored, tired, and like for all other like performers like I can think of, like this would not be entertaining to watch. Yeah. But Pacino makes it interesting. It's the least he does in the entire film. Mm-hmm. And he keep going back to him, like lounging and doing nothing at the club while they're building suspense with the guys with the guns. But it's just cut back to Pacino board. Still pretty entertaining. Oh, <laughs> totally. It's really telling about Tony Montana about like, what kind of guy he is and how he lives. Like he has no interests other than like, like crazy movement forward. And if he has to stop, he's like, this sucks. And he gets pouty and he's like, you know, <laughs> he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> but everyone, everyone is trying to figure out what the hell is that second act guy is doing. The overweight oh, yeah. guy in the mask. I mean, even Tony is like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Carlito's Carlito's club is a more mature um disco shaped like a boat certainly uh, <laughs> and, uh, that one well, okay so i love i love I the love glass the produ- bricks i love the glass bricks i love the i love the office that overlooks Ooh, that's it nice. that's, that's a great like second room to add more tension you know we got the blinds and yeah. everything. but the colors the music uh i would rather hang out at the <laughs> at the babylon but from a filmmaking perspective, the Paradiso <laughs> is awesome because, and I know the story on this one, I heard De Palma talk about it, that they went to scout an abandoned club and that abandoned club was boat themed. Mm. And De Palma goes, oh, this is like, this is his vessel to be hit on his dream to the Bahamas. 
So we'll, yeah. we'll create it and it will be a boat. And he's literally like on his ship to his dream. And I was like, I love it. Yeah, oh, man. It's like it's like Jamie Foxx's little uh, postcard of the Maldives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Collateral. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Uh, collateral slaps, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Although I will say, OK, my one problem collateral. I love that movie. The Fiery Passion, the only problem I have with that movie is that, like, in uh, Manhunter, you have this great music, like the Prime Movers, like all these different, like, 80s sounds. He has a great slap in soundtrack, too. And then Collateral is stuck with fucking Audio Slave. <laughs> it just doesn't, yeah, it doesn't well, work. Well, the Audio Slave thing matters because he also uses, like, three Audio Slave songs in Miami Vice. It is oh, very, no. so it became a man it became a very He's man a thing fan. so i've i i i'm willing to forgive the audio slave okay. oh, I, especially because the stuff in miami vice i think well as we all know i may yeah, it's your favorite i'm my total miami vice freak yeah. um but, i'll, I'll uh, give it a reprise i think i was just like i think i was just so like uh it's just going from manhunter to collateral like that change is so jarring from like the 80s like synth to the like i'm just a man i don't know well, i think you have like your um this man's soundtracks are so evocative and he, they're so well curated and they're so specific. I yeah. mean, you go to like the Tangerine Dream, all the way through the Tangerine Dream stuff and mm-hmm. Thief to the Last of the Mohican score, which is Bro, uh, incredible. <laughs> I love the last. That's such a good. Well, the, the last 13 minutes that are wordless, except for the score, is like as pure of cinema as things get. <laughs> oh, man. Here, here's my, okay, here's actually my take on the collateral. So don't like it right now. My take is like it's gonna sound retro in like ten years. Like, like Audio Slave will become like what eighties how we like you know flock of seagulls nowadays or whatever. And it's like kind of almost like a, or like people like appreciate Tears for Fears. That will be audio. Like Butt Rock will become the the new like eighties. Like, <laughs> but on the on the other hand, you know, <laughs> push it to the limit works, and it's great. Oh, it's so good. No, I'm with. Oh, you. we should say too. It is the it is the greatest. Things are going great. Montage oh. in movie history. I think. That one moment when the five friends are walking and it's yeah. like these guys, nothing's, and they're they hang out with that tiger. They're having a blast. It's, it rules. I I had to look. I I I looked at my screen, and uh, I was pretty shocked when I realized that Push It to the Limit comes in at an hour forty five. He's gotta oh, go man. down. He's gotta go I was down. Like, I was like, pure montage happens longer than most modern movies. <laughs> yeah. He um Yeah. Robert Loja long dead. Yeah, Loja's long gone. Yeah. So before I forget, my only issue, and I, I think it's necessary story-wise or whatever, but like he's gotten so powerful. Why does he need to go do the hit himself? In New York I was at the I end. had the same question. I was like, "This is like, this would be like if the Godfather was like, oh, yeah, I'm like Vito go is to- in the car or something like that." Yeah. So that, weird. that was always my stumbling block on Scarface, um, and just from a structural standpoint, is that's at that point, and then he goes to Gina's house or he goes to his mom's house. That is always when the movie felt long to me. That's when it clicked in when I was just like, but where are we at? Like how much, how much, but then he shoot, but then he shoots Manny and I think it comes, gets right back on track. Exactly. Yeah. For for the the film. 
And so he's hell of a thing when he shoots Manny. I will never uh, forget on the DVD, Nas really defends the choice. Nas, come on, <laughs> yeah. dude. Nas, Nas, come, Nas, on. come on, man. Like, I just, I disagree with you, Nas. You, <laughs> you not only killed Manny, you broke Gina's heart. Uh, and I mean, boy, the stuff with the stuff with Gina is wild, oh, and I nice. love it. <laughs> oh, it ruled! Like when it suddenly, like the, it's like yeah. when he's walking out of his like mother. By the way, Miriam Cologne, her like little performance, like her like one moment in the film as a. Uh, the mother of Scarface, like uh, Mama Scarface. Uh, Mama Scarface. Mama Scarface. <laughs> I think that's what she's cast as, Mama Scarface. Well, how many Italians are in this movie? Well, there's only one actual Cuban yeah. <laughs> in the main cast, and yeah. it's and then, Stephen Bauer, and he and we, we, oh, Stephen Bauer's great. He's he slaps, really good in the he's film. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you know, uh, we performances are good. Obviously, everyone at the Academy Academy don't you know. If, if they were going to make a Scarface 2, don't hire Al Pacino. Get get another. Yeah, yeah get another. Yeah. Perhaps, perhaps an actor of Cuban descent. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. Kind of, yeah. Well, yeah. It's interesting this movie because going into him playing a Puerto Rican in the next film. Well, yeah, <laughs> for real. <God. laughs> but you get a sense like it's the way that De Palma decides to introduce Tony in that interrogation, yeah. you know, scene. And it's like here is what the performance is going to be. Yeah. This this is it. This is like the thesis statement right out the gate. Okay. We're going we're gonna to get to know exactly what Pacino's doing. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of wild, but it's watchable. Oh, it's eminently watchable. And he's like, and it's interesting. Like, I think Don, you brought this up. I don't know if you already brought this up, but like, uh, I think you told me that like his performance was in part inspired by like Meryl Streep and Sophie's Choice, yeah, I which read is that. such a wild and like uh, in the sense that like he inhabited a different like you know uh, he tried to you know inhabit a different persona, an accent, and adapt like a different like uh, just you know just a different way of like. And it's and it's interesting because like a full body transformation. Yeah, full body transformation. That's yeah. exactly that's what I was I was trying to I was looking in the dark of in the the, the attic of my brain couldn't find it. Like a shelf Silverstein poem, but uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, 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 like he, uh, I don't know if he like uh, does the complete transformation the way Meryl Streep does. Like Meryl Streep's pretty like it's like almost like a Daniel Day Lewis style performance in that in Sophie's Choice, where it's just like she's totally disappeared into the character, which has like a layer among layer among layer. But um, but uh, I think that's not a problem with me with Al Pacino because I just I love that Al Pacino like he has like a a, such an ingrained persona and it works so well and variations of it are just as effective to me I don't know we've we talked a little bit about this how this is kind of the demarcation line oh yeah for Al Pacino be Mm -hmm. on it on heading down the hua road in the same vein that um Jack Nicholson and The Shining is kind of the demarcation line for Jack Nicholson's kind of transformation into Jack all the time. Like, and here's the deal. I freaking love both The Shining and Scarface and I love their performances. And if this season of the show has taught me anything, it's like, I know and Andrew probably heard me like ranting about it 10, 15 years ago. Like I, I used to really believe in like, minimalism Mm. and controlled and quiet and like just do it 
and the older I've gotten and I really, and I think because no one is doing this style, mm-hmm. it, like everyone is trying for as real as even in like, like, I don't know why I just popped my head, but like, what if there was like a total freak? I Tony Collette's the closest one in knives out, just like a total freak. Dude. Like mm-hmm. what Daniel Craig does in Logan Lucky. Which, oh, which really yeah. impressed me. Like replays like yeah, I want IRL Cotton Hill. Yeah, yeah, and I want to, <laughs> I would want to encourage. Like I used to not like it, but I, I kind of encourage going for it and being weird and crazy and taking a chance and taking a risk. That you might get some bad reviews. You might fall on your face, but it's mm-hmm. soup. Like I even like used to think about Philip Seymour Hoffman used to yell too much, and now I just miss it. Like how like crazy and just like furious he would get, and like the entire thing in like Punch Drunk Love, the shut, 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 shut up. It's so good, and it's weird. It's not very realistic, but it captures every bit of the emotion of the moment that you want. And something Scorsese talks about too. It's like how him and Thelma Schumacher don't do match cuts on dialogue scenes because they want the best emotional moment. So it's like it's a little off kilter, but it totally you're on board completely with the feeling of the moment. I think everything, everything Pacino does is Tony in this, like it's a one way bullet train to that ending. And the ending is fucking thrilling because of it. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like it's like a guy who like ODs on the American dream. It is yeah. like a wild, like, <laughs> uh, or at least his warped perception of it. It is such, yeah, it's a, it's a, and it's funny because like this is a hundred percent the road to Hua. This is like where it starts. This is where it begins. Like you know, was it Nicholas Cage calls it Western Kabuki? I think this is like <laughs> where Al Pacino does his like rip on Western Kabuki. Uh, but uh, I was also kind of surprised. This is the first time I've seen both films. Like how uh, like he does have like moments of subtlety. It isn't like just like a full on because like it's so weird. Like you get these. Well, the beauty is are... he's he's making choices. Oh, 100%. he's just making big choices. And like, yeah, and there's like, and I love, like I said, like one of my favorite parts of this movie is like when he sees his sister and mom for the first time. And what I love about that part is like he never like, there's no freak out moment. There's no like, uh, I throw the table <laughs> over and ma, you're out of order or whatever. Just uh, some, just some kind of overt sexual tension. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, that's true. Oh, okay. uh, and we should mention I Gina. Mean, Mar- Gina, Mary Elizabeth, sister. Master Antonio is great. Academy, Academy favorite from the Abyss. She's always great. Man, she's yeah, and she's really, really good in this. You believe everything she's doing in it, and her kind of wild-eyed, don't know I'm as sexy as I am innocence that she's putting out there I, I love the it's love affair great. with her and manolo off screen you know, <laughs> yeah, oh, know. Yeah. which is, which yeah. is why manny does not he's not justified in getting shot um but speaking of love affairs we we would we would be remiss if we didn't bring up michelle pfeiffer um oh so good so i good. was so impressed by her performance this time around she's really really good she's like this is like her like big debut like breakthrough movie and you're just like when she walks on screen you're like well that's a star like it's just you can't take your eyes off of her and what i love so much she never likes tony like oh, only yeah. occasionally is charmed by him 
but she isn't just, like Frank either. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's there is really like a part great. of me that is like it's really great. There is a part of me that's like, why is she there? Like, I guess like money. Yeah, she guess, likes yeah. coke and money. Yeah, that's hundred percent fair. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, uh, it is like um. It is like interesting, yeah. I'm trying to think of the moments that she does. Like, I guess, like uh, the part when he wears her bonnet. That's her hat, good. That works that, that just works. enough to be like, oh yeah. Well, like, there's parts of this movie, and this is gonna sound insane. Number one, and this is gonna sound like an insult. I did not mean it this way to sound like an insult. This, it's a, almost like a good thing. There are parts of this movie that almost uh, feel like a Judd Apatow film. And I mean that, and I know it's awful. It's awful. I'm not, and I'm not well, saying even that. the the part like where the Manny's the trying to pick up the girl at the yeah, beach. That's, that's yeah, that's like a, that's like a Judd Apatow moment, kind of. <laughs> it's like very. I can I can see Seth Rogen and Jason Segel doing that. But they're they're planting the seeds. Of what kind of himbo Manny is oh, that God, he can't yeah. keep. He's thinking with his pants and not with the money or whatever. <laughs> oh man, no, he's so good. I love Manny. Manny's great. Uh, he's really yeah. He's really really good. I mean, and then this is got some like oh. some really great old guys or like soon to be old guys yeah. Robert Loja, yes. Murray Abraham, give... Harris Eulen. Before we lose Pfeiffer, I one thing that struck me this time was um right before he gives the bad guy speech was or her the last time we see her um I really felt like <laughs> it struck me so much this time when she was like Tony, we're losers. <laughs> And and it felt like to me that moment of like, oh, yeah, this is that like Wall Street moment from Oliver Stone where you're just like, oh, yeah, these guys, they're supposed to be the villains. And this is the lesson, but no one's going to learn it. Yeah. 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 And and I, lo- I do also love kind of the... Um beautiful anticlimactic feeling of her last her exit from the movie it's not a like a blood she just kind of like oh, she's gone she just leaves his life he's like this guy sucks i'm out of here <laughs> like, <laughs> well then the bad guy speech happens and she yeah. kind of is erased mm-hmm. and of and, course we should mention too um the bad guy speech inspired um scott hall razor to become razor ramon legendary wwe character <laughs> wow. Vin, Vin, apparently vince mcmahon had not seen scarface oh, and, and scott hall did the impression and was like and he was like this is great i i've been yeah. wa- i've been binge watching in the middle of the night <laughs> taking care of the baby um the vice series dark side of the ring which i highly recommend it's awesome but uh jr makes this great point he's like if you're a writer and you write a sketch that involves like farting or pooping or puking vince will green light that every single time his <laughs> like sense of humor is all that <laughs> it's uh, like that's what he thinks is funny and entertaining it's just like oh that makes us so much sense <laughs> what do you guys think vince mcmahon's favorite movie is it's got to be something he doesn't understand like it's like, he, it like it's like, like him misunderstanding wall street or something like that yeah, and thinking like, like gordon Decker rocks yeah yeah it's i thought happen. maybe days of thunder <laughs> Days of Thunder. Favorite <laughs> <of> <laughs> movie is gone in sixty seconds. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it, it's the same vibe. I like the story of like Trump having blood sport on Air Force One, but he edited out all the slow moments, and it's just the fight scenes. 
it's 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 something like that it's something completely insane like that <laughs> complete like yeah it's, it was like scarf it might be like he saw finally saw scarface he thinks it's great, but he thinks it's great because Tony rules. <laughs> so, like, you know, <laughs> I want a, I want a jacuzzi in my broom like that. <laughs> well, I, wanna... I mean, and I guess this thing is like I've noticed on every one of the gangster movies we've watched this season, these people suck, and oh, it's pretty yeah, clear that losers. the filmmakers are presenting them that they suck. Oh, and, like, and they all lose. Like, yeah, and even when they have, it's so funny because like. You know, a little over halfway into the movie, his character has ostensibly won to a certain degree. Like, he has the mansion, he has the tiger, and his house <laughs> yeah. is just gaudy as fuck. It looks like, it looks like the Legally Blonde, looks like where Reese Witherspoon from Legally Blonde would live. It's a very just gaudy, ridiculous What a, what a, uh, what a, um, what a subplot that would be that Michelle Pfeiffer was pregnant. Ah. <sighs> And her daughter is uh, Reese Witherspoon in Legally Blonde. <laughs> she that's how she, she, yeah. paid, she paid for her entry into she paid for a damn with, college. Yeah, with blood money. <laughs> yeah, you underestimated me. You're like, my dad is Tony Montana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that, like this this movie is so like visceral and exciting and like it was something we talked about a little bit last week with devil's advocate where devil's advocate was trying to um be like a classy john grisham Mm -hmm. type thing but also be a sleazy exploitation movie about the devil running a law firm um and that was a great point i I liked that it 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 doesn't really know what it is yeah yeah. it ultimately comes down to it and Scarface knows exactly oh, yeah. what it is and what kind of movie it's putting out there. It's maximalist to the like nth degree. And yeah. it's it's really impressive. I love, I mean, at the end, there's Pacino's does great work in that room when he's isolated himself. I love the um the moment mm-hmm. when he has to reckon what he did to Manny yeah. and he's like, he's sitting in his chair. He's like kind of grabbing his heart and he's just mumbling about Manny <laughs> and, and he's just, he's kind of reckoning with his whole life. Yep. Um, and then he puts his head into a mountain of cocaine. <laughs> just. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And then it leads of course up to like, a truly brilliant like conclusion and shootout sequence that <laughs> the stories behind it are so exciting how they shot it the so basically like right when they got started pacino picks up the gun on the wrong end and gets like third degree burns on his well, hand after firing it yeah after, after firing, firing it. like 30 rounds and has to go to the hospital he's knocked out of action for like two weeks so they've got all this time to shoot around Al. So De Palma shoots, and and not only De Palma, we get a little cameo appearance. Steven Spielberg dropped by the set and shot a few of them too. <laughs> they shot every single angle imaginable. All the, all the second of, units. All the guys coming into the into the mansion, and it just leads to this like cacophony of like. It's not John Woo, but it's 
pretty good <laughs> level of like gun stuff. I, I, I was gonna say one of I love that one of Tony's main henchmen, the guy who yells, he's Tony, get oh, out yeah. of here. He's like, that guy came from the Michael Mann universe. I mean, he looks like an ex-Chicago cop. He's like, got <laughs> oh, the pock marks, the huge mustache, and it's like, what is this guy doing? Yeah, in that's, that's my boy Nick the Pig. We'll, 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 we'll talk about the deep dish uh, gangsters at the end of Carlito's Way momentarily. <laughs> have to chew up to chase Carlito through the subway. Oh the my big, god! The, okay, the, a the, character the big who boys. I would, who I would describe as a uh, Shekhov's fat guy. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite character. I love. Like, I'm a person of size as well. These movies have two excellent big boys. I love them. Like Nick, Nick gets the short shaft too. I think he's like the out of all of like his little like gang, he's like consistently the nicest one. Always has Carly to, or uh, always has I'm on uh, Tony's back. Mm-hmm. And even though he is clearly screwed, as like if I was in this situation, like I, I I can't. I'd be waddling around. It wouldn't be good. Like. Well, no, and you know, I get Oliver Stone said this. he was like when I saw the final version and De Palma's got like a hundred guys coming into the mansion and Oliver Stone was like, yeah, I kind of wrote it that it was going to be like stealth with just like a handful of people like going in. It's and so De Palma sends like an army after him. It's like the entire Bolivian special forces came to murder. Yeah, we were watching it. Jet, Jet, Jet was, goes, this is a lot of guys. This is a lot of guys. That's that, that part took me out a little bit when. Um, when Pacino yells out, you're going to need a fucking army to take me. And I go, what do you think is there? (laughs) This is it, Tony. (laughs) Clearly that is what they said. These are like all probably like (laughs) ex-Nazis. But what I I didn't realize is how ingrained, like when he picks up the the massive gun with the grenade launcher on it and the handheld shot of him coming at you and the one where he's walking toward the door and just kind of like the excitement as he's heading toward that door. It's like, oh, he's going to say the line. He's going to blow the shit out of this door. And then all hell's going to break loose. And the anticipation that De Palma gives you when you know that's coming, you're just like, this is going to be great. And I've seen it before and it's going to be great again. <laughs> like, it's, just, yeah, it's, it's crazy that say hello to my little friend holds up. Yeah, I know. It's so good. It it's works. like it's it's a it's such a crescendo moment on the entire yeah. thing. Then, well, I always remember like the cuts right after it, like the doors down, it cuts back to him and he comes out one handing. Yeah, that, I know. like, yeah, and, and that looks so badass. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was like, yeah. well, I was like, like that's were, cool looking for a split second. You think he has a chance. Yeah, I know. Like, you totally like, do. Yeah, it's like here's the thing, too, is I didn't realize that he had like a great. I mean, I guess I should have known better, but it was like the grenade was a surprise to me i was like oh god this is one of those guns with a grenade damn this is cool uh it's oh, it's such a great it's C- such a great ending rude that he didn't let cc in that took one point off of uh tony's cool list i was like dude cc's so cool you can't you can't do your guy like that uh, it's tony you heard his shot manny Classic and poor G- he tried to he tried to like Make out with Gina before she uh, shot him and then got blown away herself, which was had his weird view very tragic. View from the bridge moment. Gina, <laughs> very odd. Gina, Gina. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but I, I mean, like as we kind of head toward the end here on this, I, I really think the like this performance is so visceral and it's so like non. It's just out of ten fever pitch. 
the entire time. And well, it might be a little hammy or over the top. You just, I don't think you see people for 170 minutes go for it like this. It's, it's, it's really, I think it's really awesome. I truly think it's really awesome. Like what he's doing in it. I think Pacino was having fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think he was kind of enjoying himself. So he kind of was able to let loose and really go big. And De Palma is such a perfect director for letting someone go big because it all kind of feels operatic. It's like, yeah, it it all works at that decibel level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think he's, um, I mean, I think that what the interesting thing is, I agree with you, Patrick, that he's definitely heading into the Al Pacino kind of quirks and trademarks zone with it. Yep. But at the same time, this is a full fledged character. Yeah. Like it's not, you know, it's, you know, it's like, I don't know, like, I don't want to begrudge any of his, you know, kind of later performances or whatever, but where it's just like, oh, they got Al Pacino to show up and do Al Pacino things. Like he's still at this point, like this is like Lefty, where Lefty's got some Al Pacino qualities, but Lefty's a very true and very real character. Too. Oh, totally. He's not a, he's not as like fever pitch as Tony, but I think um yeah, I think because this movie's been kind of quoted endlessly and it's I mean it's like it's like going back and watching like I don't know, like the Matrix or the Big Lebowski, and you're like, wait a second, these are like still great movies. It's just kind of like there's an entire universe of people who have like driven them into the ground, quoting them and making them their like Twitter avatars and shit like that. And like these right. are still great, and they're still like there's a reason that the popularity of these movies exists. Yeah, no, it's like yeah, no, it it it, it weirdly. Um at least in terms of its like performances and direction stands the test of time. Uh, I, it's so funny. Cause when you initially watch it, uh, you're kind of like, Oh, it's not like his character has that much of an arc or whatever. He kind of like stays like, he's like the same, but like, but like the more I think about it, the more it's like, Oh, you really do watch like Tony Montoya, like rise up and like, as he gets more successful, it is almost like this thing, like, like it's just you can you it sucks the life out and by t- it's a combination of like you know he has these like moments of like complete raw vit- vitality but then he also has those moments where it's like man he's deflated and it is like well, that's what you said uh andrew where like he is so no other actor is more entertaining crumpled up on a couch than al pacino <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he is like the pro of just like he like he he is like the living embodiment of those super shitty marijuana is bad commercials where like the teenagers like deflated like he has that energy and he pulls it off like so well. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. He's he's just he's a really interesting character. Uh, I was really struck by kind of his code yeah. and what ma- and what and what makes him tick. It's kind of like he's got he's insatiable as like a person like you know he wants the world and everything in it uh but fuck communists oh yeah oh yeah he kills he kills a it's like the cuban uh political uh, person that looks like larry cleast from the mr show sketch the rebenga hit is awesome that is an amazing yeah Yeah, in my head he's like yeah he's killing larry cleast it's great i love it well you know we we all know what larry cleast did yeah, not a good, yeah, hey, not a, not, let us know. And then pretty much his only other rule is don't touch his sister. 
<laughs> because I because I kind of want to touch her. <laughs> yeah. Well, they do that. They I mean, I mean, Tarantino, I think, takes a lot from De Palma and has, mm-hmm. or at least been inspired. But it was I was kind of struck by the kind of that Kill Bill, the siren that goes off and the close up on the eyes every time. Yeah, that's- Gina. Yeah. Goes <laughs> He, um, yeah, I guess uh, Tarantino, when he saw this movie, he basically was like, okay, that's how you make a movie. That was kind of his, like, okay, just steal the moves. That it, opens with the, it opens with the 360 shot. Yeah. I mean, in the interrogation. Well, Tarantino also shoots from above in the yeah. same way all I the mean, time. Look, if you're going to take from any modern master, this guy <laughs> has, yeah. is one of the greatest. Oh, yeah. So before we head out, I think we should just uh, quick. So they've been trying to do some level of a remake of this movie oh, for forever. And I just was reading Let through some of the people who've been, but as it stands right now, there is a very intriguing combination who are currently attached to doing it. Um, the Coen brothers are attached to just write it. Hmm. And Luca Guagadino is attached to direct it. Hmm. And um if anyone can mix it up and do something completely different that they could, they say, I don't know. I would watch it. Yeah. I would watch it. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. I, I, I love those people. I feel like when Coen brothers just write the movies, I'm not like Bridge of Spies was good and they wrote that. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great movie. Uh, cause I, cause I was also thinking of Gambit, which is a movie. I, that's not good. Oh, so, uh, they, they also wrote, um, un- uh, Unbroken. The Angelina Jolie. Oh, interesting! Olympi- I like that movie. O- Olympics slash survival slash POW. Yeah, that movie's movie. underrated. For some reason, I feel like that movie got like bad uh, press or not press, but like it was like. It's, oh, Roger Deakins like, photographed it too. Oh, it's right. so it's that's the thing. Movie. It's like it's a beautiful movie, and then like a great cast. So, cut to ten years later, nineteen ninety-three. Mm. Brian De Palma, Al Pacino team up once again. For Carlito's Way, as we said, directed by Brian De Palma, uh, screenplay by David Kep, uh, based on the novels Carlito's Way and After Hours by Edwin Torres, uh, apparently based more so on After Hours than Carlito's Way, but they did not want to confuse it with the great Scorsese film After Hours. Yep. Um, Everyone's favorite yeah. Griffin Dunn joint. Yep. Actually, uh, well, maybe American Werewolf and. That's a good done. That's a good done. Tip. That's a good done. Hey, take it to a different podcast. The Griffin Dunn cast. Budgeted at. The Landis Mystery Hour. How is he God. not in jail? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> what a sordid podcast that would be. Too, oh, yeah. Too well, speaking of like history podcasts, though, that would be like. To do like a full scale deep dive into what the hell went down Ooh, man. in Twilight Zone, the movie would, would be would be interesting. God, someone it's, it's very it's very because inter- that movie has such a, like, a reputation, but both Joe Dante and George Miller's segments really rip and are worth seeing. Steven Spielberg's is maybe the most saccharine thing he ever did. But anyway, not we are not talking Twilight Zone, the movie here. We're talking Carlito's Way. Mm-hmm. Um, Jen just walked in. Why not? Budgeted at $30 million. Uh, yes. Box office, 63 
million dollars. I think this is another one though that um, didn't like get all the way there ah. for them <laughs> to where they thought it was going to be. Um, well, he and De Palma is coming off of his biggest flop. Yes, this followed Bonfire of the Vanities. Bonfire of the Vanities, Ooh. which I don't know if you've seen. Um, I've read it. I haven't seen it. Worth a watch. I mean, the opening shot is kind of legendary in terms of the the single take uh, opening shot, but otherwise pretty uneven, oddly cast, strange yeah. flick. I was, yeah. It is the glory of De Palma, though, that he does have these moments in his career of like, huh? Oh. You know? But, he's, really, he, he's, but, he's but he kind of needed a hit. Yeah. Um, and that was the rap that he was getting right out the gate was that, oh, he just had his big misfire with Bonfire of the Vanities. He's going back to the well. And apparently a few weeks before the premiere, he told the crew not to get their hopes up about the film's reception. He correctly predicted that Pacino, who this was Pacino's first film after Scent of a Woman as well. Um, that actually makes a lot of sense. That he would be criticized that uh, David Kep, and this was David Kep's first film after writing Jurassic Park. Wow. Um, would suck. Penn would be brilliant because he hadn't done anything for a while. And he himself, having not been forgiven for Bonfire of the Vanities, would not be quite, would not be embraced. And pretty much everything that he predicted came true. Um, one of the things that I'm like absolutely fascinated by is that at the end of the 90s, the um, acclaimed and esteemed French uh, film critic, film magazine. Babysighting. Uh, babysighting. Uh-oh. Now that's a big baby. <laughs> my, my, my niece has joined the podcast. This has been the Stamps.com baby moment of the week. <laughs> and she voted for Carlito's wife. <laughs> <laughs> she she was in the room for both of them i don't know how much she took in but um, yeah. <laughs> um i mean luis guzman's a big teddy bear it makes sense yeah if you're if you're a guzman head if you if you like vigo mortensen making choices then carlito's oh, way God. is your movie we'll get there i love i love laline so yeah. much oh poor laline <laughs> um but wearing um, a diaper Kaye, <laughs> just the way he says, it. "I'm wearing a diaper." I can't, I can't shit, I can't help. I can't, I can't shit, I can't help. Oh man, fucking king, man. Fucking <laughs> diapers, man. Fucking <laughs> diapers. Oh, that that does that really does rock. Uh, but um, uh, Kaye du Cinema named Carlito's Way one of the three best films of the 1990s. Wow. Along with uh, Goodbye South, Goodbye, and, Patrick, this one's for you, The Bridges of Madison County. Damn, son, where'd you find this? Like, two out of the three, Academy, Academy approved and covered. Ah, so good. Uh, The movie was not nominated for any Academy Awards. And it was nominated for two of the shame, shameful GGs. Uh, best Supporting Actress, Penelope Ann Miller, and Best Supporting Actor, Sean Penn. And frankly, if this, I think Sean Penn 
should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I think he's absolutely brilliant. I think Sean Penn is really good in this film. Yeah, yeah, definitely like one of his best performances I've seen. Such a worm. What a and what an annoying. uh, He he is like the type of like. It's great because his character in no way is cool, and you would never want to emulate this man. Like there is nothing cool or like lovable. Maybe in the very beginning when you think that, oh, he could be a nice guy. He did like, you know, get, even though it's like, you know, he's like a lawyer for, you know, drug dealers and stuff. So that's not good. But like, uh, you think there's like a little hope for him initially, but then by the end, you're like, oh, it's like, I did like a little, I did a little like fist pump when when he took the bullets from. I know. I was like, that's cool. It's 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 strangely satisfying. Yeah, it's like I, never I mean, there there's something like out of a textbook action movie in that moment because I love adios counselor. <laughs> it's like oh wow, I was like that's that's like a action star sign off. Uh, so what a um, wild I was just reading that apparently in an earlier version of this movie, 1989, they were already looking at it. Um, they were talking about Marlon Brando playing David Kleinfeld. Wow. Which would have been really interesting as well. But I, I'm glad wow. they went with um, Sean Penn taking, you know, really big swing, really big choices. So this again came from Pacino. Mm-hmm. Both film, both ideas came from Pacino. Um, I know that him and Torres worked out at the same gym (laughs) and that was how they met. Um, And the Bregman story that I teased from earlier, which I loved from the um, DVD extras from Carlito's way are that um, he said uh, the first draft of the script that he got that Al gave him Bregman said, I've seen a lot of stinkers, and this was a real stinker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was like, all right. I guess. Um, so that's when they had to find Cap. Yeah. Who is it? You know, I mean, credit where credit is this, this dude is a pro's pro screenwriter. He really knows what he's doing. He's tons and tons of hits. He's great. Oh, yeah. I love me some Jurassic Park and Mission Impossible and uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, no. Also the great story on Mission Impossible where um, De Palma brought Cap in to write it. And then Cruz's people were like, we got to fire Cap. We're bringing in Robert Town. And then De Palma secretly brought Cap to a hotel nearby set. And they were doing concurrent scripts. Town was like on one floor of the hotel and Kep was on the other and they did not know that they were both working on the script for Mission Impossible. And I guess Town wanted to end it with them taking off the masks and that was the big reveal and he thought the entire helicopter chasing a train sequence was like too action movie-ish. And De Palma's like, what kind of movie do you think we're making here? <laughs> like, <laughs> we can't have them just take off masks and that's the end of it. <laughs> this isn't shampoo, sir. Yeah, I know, dude. <laughs> like, get with it. We need the red light, green light. Um, they, um, I guess for Carlito's way, they actually took a look at one of our favorites, Patrick, um, Abel Ferrara. 
initially Ooh. was questioned to direct the film and uh, <sighs> ooh, he would have made it after watching king of new york for the first time recently i want to see that version of the movie so badly would he would he have made would he have given us the gift of king of new york though if he had made carlito's way uh, that's a good point i love money i love king of new york, I love king, I, of new york. king of new york slapped so hard <laughs> so i would what totally watch the abel ferrara version of carlito's way but i will say that there are a couple things in this movie, particularly particularly the Grand Central sequence, mm-hmm. that no director, living or dead, could do better than Brian yeah. De Palma. Yeah, yeah, he has a niche that no one else has uh, been able to fill. No one will. No one will up that. Plus that, get more out of it across the board from when. Those guys yell, there he is, to the ending of the movie. Yeah. Uh. Oh, and the, um, when, he's, when he's going around the escalator, he's hiding behind walls oh, and that. stuff like that, and you realize it's a one and you're like, oh, bravo. <laughs> bravo, my friend. <laughs> oh, yeah. The entire setup on it. And yeah, I mean, like, basically from, like, the subway into the Grand and then all the way to the end. And I, I was when we watch it, I was like, I, I, I haven't trouble this time around really buying Carlito or Charlie and Gail and their love story. But what got me was what he's sprinting to her and the big grin he has on his face. He's like, Gail, she's coming. And you're like, Oh, he does love her so much. <laughs> and, then, and then like, Oh, De Palma is so good at endings. Like they're over the top, but they're so good. And when Benny Blanco from the Bronx oh, steps into man. frame and you're just like, oh, and Ben Guzman betrays him oh. and then gets shot himself. That was so brutal. That, that was yeah, just like, not worth that. it. Oh. It's so like, yeah, because on one hand, like you, you hate to see uh, Luis Guzman betray uh, Pacino in that moment, but then... Like, just like as a just like to have him die so just 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 to show how much of a like soulless fuck uh benny from the bronx it's just mwah, it's it's so but yeah the brilliance but, of it is benny of the bronx is right you know which yeah. he he's told that and <laughs> that pachanga is going to betray him by sasso Oh god, another Sasso. great Oh, Sasso rules. I love Sasso. I I mean, this the split diopter shot of them talking and he's in the mirror, the reflection, and it's that awesome two shot and he's talking about finding his body in the tr- in the truck. And he's like he's like, "Who's that? Sasso, man." Yeah. Used to be called Ron. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I love all the Sasso stuff uh so much and that guy so he was a comedian out of mexico i mean he he and he did not speak any english you know and you know what he reminded me of Mm -hmm. is the um the guy from the focus groups uh uh the ford focus group of i think you should oh my god (laughs) like just bringing in a guy like that oh that rules that guy should just because they should put him in a mood well, I love it because apparently Pacino was super frustrated because that guy was just waiting to hear the last word that Pacino said mm-hmm. because he couldn't understand English. Uh-huh. So he was just waiting for a cue word. And so 
he's not really act, they're not really acting off of each other and so Pacino was getting frustrated but it comes off well in the performance because yeah, Carlito's I mean, frustrated with him I think yeah I think he's yeah it comes off well and uh, I think that I like uh, just to shift to like Pacino's performance in general in this movie I feel like in some ways he has more to do in Carlito's way than he does in Scarface. He gets to, and I think part of it is just the fact that he's like a character that's been around the block a couple of times. And uh, he's, he's very like introspective compared to Scarface. Well, the whole, yeah. The whole film is an inner monologue, essentially. Oh, 100%. Which, and that's, I, sometimes I, I like that stuff. Sometimes it's like, yeah, I was, I think well, the, the, the voiceover this is yeah. wild. It yeah. gets weird because the tense changes. That's when I get like thrown off and there's some really interesting stuff when um, it's the, it's the hospital scene and they, mm. and I don't know, Don, if you did any research about that. Yeah, I did read, I did read up on the hospital scene. Cause this was a, um, both a, it's a pivotal scene in the movie. They all agreed it was a pivotal scene and you've got a lot of personalities deciding on how this person, this pivotal scene well, should be worked out. Is <laughs> it? Here's a, here's a director dilemma. Um, what happens? Like, yeah, they, they spent so long trying to figure out the hospital scene and so many rewrites. And then the day of the hospital scene is upon them. And Pacino comes up to them and says, oh, I figured it out. Carlito would never go to the hospital. This scene shouldn't exist. And so, but it is very important to set up yeah. The, enti- the entire ending of the movie. And so, and that's yeah, they that just... story that Goldman tells in Adventures of the Screen Trade, I think I've mentioned it before, of like, they spent an entire day on Marathon Man because Dustin Hoffman didn't believe that they, he would have a flashlight on his bedside table. And John Schlesinger just had to keep talking to him about like, well, Dustin, I mean, like, maybe, you know, and it's just like, these guys i mean these guys are incredible like they're such a pain in the ass but story-wise that is where it gets a little strange just because because the whole movie is a flashback Mm -hmm. right but and so it's all past tense in carlito's inner monologue yeah you know reflecting on his life and then uh he's like gotta go visit kleinfeld gotta go look him in the eyes (laughs) he goes and then but then he's like Keep yeah, your look him in the eyes. It's like, keep your wits sharp. That face don't match that uniform. And it's like, we're all of a sudden, we're present. Tense. Yeah, and like, because they have to put it in our head that that cop is not a cop. Because otherwise, we would have I no love idea. It. Yeah. I mean, I would have no idea if he wasn't. Was, he didn't say that in like Planet of the Idea. Okay, so that guy might not be totally in the up and up. Yeah, but yeah it's, like, it, it's like his heat moment too, right? Kind of where like it's like you have to do the one. It's like that's his Wangro moment. It's the Wangro, yeah, yeah it's yeah. the Wangro moment. Oh yeah. So Patrick, you had not seen Carlito's way before. No, right? this is my first time, a hundred percent. And what what did you think of it? I thought it was like uh, I do think it's not. It's it's one of those movies where I was kind of expecting it to be a crazier version of Scarface. Mm. Like for some reason in my head, I was like, this is going to be like Scarface, but it's going to be like the ending scene of Scarface for every scene. Like it's going to be over the top and bonkers and like Sean Penn's going to be like cavorting around in his weird wig and 
they're going to just like capers will be had. And uh, it's interesting that uh, it's in some ways, I don't know, a much quieter film than Scarface. And oh, I, it is. 100%. Yeah. And, uh, and I love that the character is also much kinder as well. Like, I, I, it's like, I feel like it's like the first Al Pacino role I've seen in a long time where, like, he respects women and, like... like he loves Gale. Loves, loves Gale. Gale. Yeah, although, like, you know, maybe not... Maybe not the most respect, but like, yeah, it is a little <laughs> weird when he comes in, like fucking Jack Nicholson in The Shining, and it's like, oh, hello. The cheesecake scene. <laughs> yeah, surprise. But then Gail wants it. Gail wants wow. it. Yeah. That is wild, though. You're right. That's, totally that's, like, that's a great scene. My, out of mind, out of sight yeah. on that one, but yeah. No, the thing, that, the thing that happens, I think, right after that, which really kind of threw me off on this viewing was Gail goes, uh, you ever kill anyone, Charlie? And he's like, sorry, I just can't answer that. And she goes, that's okay. <laughs> it's they're, they're like, it's they're, like, now we're done. Yeah. You just did. I mean, uh, he's they, clearly killed people. He also knew him before he was indicted on major crimes well, five years prior. That 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 one, there, there, there's a piece in the courtroom that I also like laughed pretty hard about, which... Uh, where the judge goes, uh, he's a convicted as assassin and heroin dealer. He goes, hey, I never dealt no dope. Yeah, you definitely killed people. And you're vague, it's a bait and switch because in that opening scene where he like talks to the judge, he's doing like full-scale cocky Al Pacino grandstanding, and then the rest of the movie is him trying to prove he's a nice guy. And you're like, but that opening scene, you're like, flaunting that like i'm a criminal i'm getting away with it <laughs> i i had a feeling that that was like the first thing on the schedule and it was just like this is like the first thing since scent of a woman and yeah like there's still some residual and he's kind of getting into it my guess for scarface for the first thing on the schedule is actually the scene where uh, michelle pfeiffer and pacino dance and they have never met before that yeah. day. And they also never danced before. Yeah. Like, never <laughs> met nor danced. <laughs> I also um, love it. One thing is like, uh, I have a, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to make it my background, but there is like this great picture, uh, screenshot I took of Scarface where like you look at the dance floor and it's all these like young people, but for some reason there's like one guy in his like 80s just really cutting a rug amongst sounds, all these people. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. I love that. Um, I was obsessed with it. Also, oh, the guy, just a quick shout out to Mark Margulis in an early performance. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, who I, I, I texted Don and was like, hey, look, I didn't know Ron Paul was in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to also mention, um, because we know that, um, we know Al Pacino is a hair actor and we'll be talking more about it next week when we get into cruising. But um, apparently he first envisioned Carlito with a ponytail and pitched the idea. And he realized after visiting Harlem, uncommon among local men, but the beard stayed. And that was a Pacino idea as well. Um, And the black leather coat fitted into the period setting. And apparently the black leather coat almost killed him in, in those su- in those in those subway scenes that he had him running the subway at like 90 degree weather all night well, long well because <laughs> what happened was that they started shooting in the winter oh really and then they got to the they got to the subway stuff in the summer 
I love I love the story on um on the documentary where the train the Al gets on the train and it just keeps going. They're like, where'd it go? He's like, Al's taking the train home. He's gone home. <laughs> yeah, he's done for the night. He doesn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> like, I love it. And De Palma's like, but we're not done. <laughs> but um we should yeah get to some of the uh, supporting cast members here. Penelope Ann Miller plays the aforementioned Gail. 29 years old to Pacino is 53. Uh, so, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Long time lovers. It's better than, uh, I guess it's better. I just, I, I just watched Network recently as well. And I guess that beats like the Faye Dunaway, William Holden. Except in that, at least it's kind of like weirdly explained in their moral transgressions oh, totally. between it the wor- two yeah, of them. No, it, it works better in that. It's kind of crazy that it well, works better in that film than it does in this film. But it was real in real life. Mm-hmm. So that's... <laughs> they had a very uh, public uh, romance during this. Romance? I dated Penelope and Gail! <laughs> Uh, did I you was know always... Penelope Ann Miller was married to Will Arnett in the what? early nineties? Interesting, uh, interesting fun. I, 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 I like her in this movie. I, um, Such a challenging good. role. I mean, yeah. th- th- this seems so hard to do. I mean, in terms of what she, all the stuff that she has to play in terms of being the artistic dancer and then being found in the strip club and this like you, you don't judge me but i you know i have to be the innocent i have to be like she has to be so many things mm-hmm. um and i i always always kind of like not sold on her performance when i first saw it i liked it a lot better this time around mm-hmm. um i think what throws me off is the ending and I don't think De Palma does her any favors by just holding on her for too long and she just keeps saying Charlie yeah and it just gets to kind of a weird place and it's like I don't know like say something else or cut away but she's just like just Charlie Charlie (laughs) and and, and that that was the only thing that kind of stood out to me this time I mean, I think that they um, they look great together on screen. They've got a nice chemistry together. What about when uh, Pacino first seeks her out? And he's got the uh, trash can. There are trash head. cans on the roof, and <laughs> why are there three trash cans on a roof? He needs that really, you know, in New York, you know, it's, I, it's a city that never sleeps. So put yeah. up trash cans on roofs. I still have not <laughs> seen a trash can on a roof since I've lived here. Andrew, but, you uh, live there. Well, you know, you, that, you take yeah. your trash up and sit it down. It's just, dude, everyone knows that. I mean, <laughs> there's little, uh, little helicopters that take the trash. <laughs> it's a great visual. You know what he's coming, going for. He's, he doesn't, you know, it, it, yeah. Brian De Palma's willing to sacrifice that for the sake of the moment. Mm-hmm. Even, yeah. even though Al Pacino does look pretty funny holding the trash can lid over his head. No, I mean, it's this kind of like, look at me, I'm a little gutter boy and I have big dreams. Yeah, yeah. I'm like Aladdin. Like, right. also, also in a sense, too, that this is um, this is different than Scarface. This guy has like a soul and he's in love yeah. and he like has this like sensitive side. And um, one thing I keep wanting, I wanted to compare this movie actually to The Godfather 3. 
because which came before Carlito's way, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And I think it's, it's because I don't know if it's Al kind of flexing star power and wanting to like kind of being into like, try to have more sympathy for his characters and maybe be a little more heroic in his characters, getting away from that seventies new Hollywood thing. But it is kind of like, you're taking this character and you're really like trying to get empathy, trying to like, like this idea of redemption. The same thing with scent of a woman really is this idea of a tough guy, a bad guy, almost on the hunt for redemption and whether they get it or not and kind of like decorate, I, decorate all of these movies. And I think like, you know, is it earned or not? Who knows? I mean, well, you know, I mean, I love it. Cause again, it's, it's the Pacino sweet spot of he's ultimately a loser, like, or not like we's not he, able to escape. Right. Where he has lost and he, and he is down. And I like that his dream is simple and he just wants some kind of basic dignity, like Mm -hmm. some, like a real kind of simple measured goal in his life because things just have not worked out for him. So he kind of is able to channel what's always made him great. But then you get, the gangster stuff as well, yeah. which is awesome. I mean, in De Palma's hands, it's mm-hmm. the best. Yeah, yeah. And all, and all. I mean, all the, all the. We've, you know, talked a little bit about all the set pieces in this movie. They're are, all amazing. Are actually, amazing. Yeah, yeah. they're all incredible. Uh, uh, Kleinfeld getting uh, the knifed at his office is Ooh. an incredible sequence. The pool hall sequence, which we. Haven't oh. gone deep into, but it's yeah, really good. My really idea, good. Of and kind just... of, well, his idea too of the um, the way he does it, he does it in so many of his films is kind of like the setup for the tension. Like, you go to Untouchables, for instance, where they're all kind of like circling around, and then the at the end in the train sta- another train station sequence where the where they're using the Odessa steps, just kind of the looks. We all know the room, we know the geography, we know where the bad guys are, we know where our good guys are. And it's like, okay, how are they going to like, how is this going to start to break down? How is it going to explode? Like, or um, even better is um, the boxing match in Snake Eyes mm. is in kind of how he sets up that entire room and all the characters in there That's and so that good. kind of thing. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, the, wait, you go what's first. that? I was going to say, do you know the original location of the Grand Central? No. I don't know. It was originally supposed to be at the World Trade Center. And it got bombed. That was when the bombing happened. Oh, and, yeah, the first and, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that it made the escalators unusable, and they were going to go World Trade Center to the airport. Oh, okay. And then after the bombing happened, they had to redo it. He had to rethink it. And so they decided Grand Central Terminal train to Miami. I guess um, the editor of this film, who we should... Uh shout out was um bill pankow yeah uh he said one of the biggest challenges was making how freaking slow the escalator is <laughs> believable to the audience so they don't notice how slow the escalator is you don't <gasps> yeah you don't at all yeah i mean that that overhead shot of Pacino riding down is oh, just it's like, awesome. It's so all. good. And then and then the, 
the the Chekhov's fat guy comes in. Oh man! <laughs> yeah. like, I remember watching that in the movie, and I was like, like they're really focusing on this how this guy just has heavy breathing and is like not doing like you know. And I get it. Like you know, if I was the the big guy here, I would not be having fun. But then they pay it off so well. <laughs> it was funny though. We just kept commenting on. I'm like, these are the guys you're sending on a foot chase. I don't know, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Palma uses it to his advantage, though, because then he enters the train car further up, and then you have the coming yeah. together in the middle, and that's so good. Oh, it rules. I mean, I wanted to give a shout-out to uh, Patrick Doyle. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. The, uh, the composer of Carlino's mm. Way, and the Grand Central, the whole, all the themes in the Grand Central sequence, this, this, the track is called Grand Central, mm -hmm. and it's so phenomenal. It's oh, yeah. a phenomenal like, piece. It's so funny because in the very beginning, I did feel like it was like a little um, chintzy or like a, was like a little, it's a little in the very beginning, but then by the end, like when you're right. crescendoing, it works perfectly. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> by the end, you mean Joe Cocker? <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the Joe Cocker. You too. are so beautiful. Yeah. Twice. But that's like the best part. Like, I mean, we've, we've talked about it before and talk about it again with De Palma. It's like he goes for it. Even yep. if it's like ridiculous, it's there. We got a upset baby. I hear that. No yeah. worries. No worries. Um, but yeah, we, we got to give shout out to John Leguizamo, Benny Blanco from the Bronx. Um, Apparently him and Pacino did not get along. Oh. Shocking. Really shocking. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, uh, Leguizamo. I mean, I think Leguizamo loved him, and uh, but uh, Leguizamo did a lot of improv. Ooh, and uh, that, my guess, the methody side of Pacino yeah, not I wanting to like um, that clashed with. And he, well, he was probably already going in with a chip against Benny Blanco. Whoever was playing Benny Blanco, he was going to kind of um, be a little tough with to begin yeah. with but um boy it matches up and kind of like the you know classic de palma kind of um dueling the same character kind of um stuff is really good the mirroring yeah. kind of thing that he does on a on a side note i do want to now see uh, al pacino recreate the intro of the pest yeah yeah, yeah. Could, uh, uh, whoever's <laughs> listening uh you know brian de palma i know that's probably like a brian de palma film the pest uh if you can just get on i mean that would be pretty it, it's it'd be pretty similar to dunkachino i think i mean it's pretty yeah. close yeah <laughs> yeah just it's on its way there at the very least oh yeah just al pacino i can see that being vince mcmahon's favorite film the pest. Or, or maybe just al pacino doing a series of raps from parappa the rapper I think would be another good one for him. Please, anyone <laughs> on earth who has access to Al Pacino. I don't know. Steven Spielberg. We didn't say it. this about Meryl Streep. We, every episode, we always are pitching like, we just want to see Al do this one weird thing. Like, <laughs> I, I still think I still want to watch Jackass with him and just yes. see how he reacts to <laughs> the stunts. And he put a car up his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Steve-O went into what and was flinged where? <laughs> I think he. I think he'd get a kick out of it. I, I bet he would. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, he'd become friends with like uh, uh, Bam Margera. <laughs> Jeez. 
Um, <laughs> Probably the worst jackass. <laughs> uh, poor guy. Um, Luis Guzman. Oh, also great. Movie. Uh, great. He's got a great earring. You know what? I think this might be a good time. Um, look of the week. We had a lot of options for best oh, look yeah. of the week here. Um, everybody in Scarface looks great, but I got to give us David Kleinfeld's tracksuit. Oof. Is the look of the week <laughs> with, is, with yeah. his hairstyle. <laughs> and what a look. Oh, man. Everything Sean Penn, his entire, it's just perfect. Every yeah. the choice they made with him. The, the um, establishing shot of him walking into Rikers, the barge. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So amazing. Oh, and so cool. It's really like incredible. Like, you know, I just. You don't see you don't see people take the time to do something like that with particularly with a star. Yeah. You know, it, it was just incredible. It's yeah. so cool. I, I also love the uh, actor who plays the uh, the mobster in that scene. The uh, Oh, uh, to- Tony Tortellini or whatever. Oh, yeah. Taglia- <laughs> is it Tagliatelli? It is a type of pasta. Taglia- Tagliatelli. Yeah. Tagliatelli. John yeah. Pasta, yeah. John Pasta. <laughs> I, I just keep thinking about it back to the the uh, the the Italian cop mobster who uh, may or may not have killed Jeffrey Epstein was also like Tony Tortellini. Um, <laughs> I was like, is this the same guy? <laughs> but yeah. um, yeah, when when Penn kills him and this kid, you're just like, oh man. Yeah, I mean, real. It, we're never gonna get that rental car dealership now. Uh, that's. That that thing did stand out to me uh, as a great thing in Carlitos Way versus Scarface, where all the beats kind of just felt like pretty solid. Like mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't have that going to New York moment. Yeah, where you stop. Uh, like, but like, cause Carl, cause Pacino's so good. Where you just goes, you killed us, Dave. Mm-hmm. You just killed us. And oh, it's, it's such like, a Pacino line, too. You, you, you killed it. us! Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I was like, uh, in terms of supporting uh, uh, characters, I was gonna, it was uh, uh, Rayborn, right? Uh, yeah, we gotta, yeah. Get to, gotta get to James Rebhorn, who we've seen quite a few times now across the board in the Academy Academy. Oh, yeah. the la- last time around, of course, is the Dean with the Jaguar, who's causing trouble and sent to a woman. He, he is, <laughs> he is the king of you listen to me, mister. Yes. Mm-hmm. He is like, uh, like Seymour Skinner made flesh. <laughs> He's so good. And I mean, my favorite, I brought it up before and I'll, I'll bring it up again. Cause I love showing this one out. My favorite red horn part is the game. I think he's so good in the game because the he game. gets to have a little bit more fun. He gets a little bit of like be have some funny moments in addition to kind of his like mastery of the bureaucratic figure. But he's he's really he's good in this one. You know, I think um, I don't know why Gail goes with Carlito to visit him, but um, doesn't matter. Who cares? She, <laughs> say, she says I'm going with you. And that's that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Got to give a shout out. I love John Ortiz, young, young, younger oh, John yeah. Ortiz. He's yeah. really good. And he's, he's really good, good in his time in this. He's always good and everything. Such a and then, that, um, yeah. I mean, I think it's time we need to talk about Vigo Mortensen. <laughs> Laleen. <laughs> I love Laleen. The ballad of Laleen. I love that they do a flashback within essentially a flashback. <laughs> that was like, I like, they're like, they have to show young, good looking Laleen. Like, of the ladies. 
Yeah, they they cut to him, and I was like, oh, I forgot that they did this whole like just shot of, and Pacino's younger, like he's got a different look in it too, and it's like, oh wow, they're doing. A, I was like, remember, he's on his deathbed, and we're doing another flashback to Laleen's Laleen. wire Young hair. Laleen's wire very quickly discovered. Like, it's, so like, it's hanging out, but it's kind of great because Laleen is not like. He, God, there's something so good about his performance about wanting to die. He is he is such a good actor. He's so yeah. like in the same vein as Pacino, just infinitely watchable. He's infinitely weird. I think when we just talking about Green Book and just like no matter what you think of the movie, he does eat an entire like roll up an entire pizza and eat yep. it at one point. Oh, like, yeah. That, that oh, movie man. Is, Rock on, dude. <laughs> that, no, that movie is just like a, uh, a series of uh, Viggo Mortensen eating random things. Like, and that movie, there was just like a cut of that film that was just like Viggo Mortensen's gourmand adventures. Yeah, like a like, food tour. Yeah, just a food yeah. tour. Just call it, like, yeah, just call it a Longo's Wacky Food Tour. And like, yeah, it's just him eating Yeah, he's hot a guy dogs. who's only eaten like pizza and hot dogs before. And he said, like, <laughs> wait a second, this tastes like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love fried chicken. It's very good. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I, he's, I, a, he's, a, he's a prince, man. I have to say that my my buddy Max Don, you know him. Yeah. Uh, he does he does a Laline bit, and he just takes him so far. And I and I think he was like <laughs> he was under the impression that it went so far to just be like he's like I got no dick, man. They yeah. shot it off. <laughs> like <laughs> my asshole's backwards yeah. now. I poop inwards. <laughs> I gotta throw up the poop! I can't shit, man! I got diapers, man! <laughs> uh, yeah, and, I, and I, I have a feeling, like, in a newer movie, you know, if this came out today, Laleen's getting cut from the movie. Yeah, Laleen, I mean, well, it's yeah. also Vigo playing a Puerto Rican again. I mean, yeah. across the board. Yeah. Across the board, yeah. yeah. And, and I will I gotta say, too, that, like, his... Uh, as much as I like uh, Al Pacino's performance in this movie, his accent sometimes it comes off as like half the time it comes off as like uh, him trying to do an imitation of Luis Guzman, complete with like the lisp. Mm-hmm. And then like sometimes and then, kind of... uh, Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade oh! is coming into the mix. Oh, dude! I was gonna say it's like if Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade was doing an impression of Mike Tyson. I mean, when he, when he does the free at last, I was like, uh oh. You think you're in trouble at the beginning. <laughs> I'm glad that Oscar Isaac is around to do this role now. <laughs> yeah, like, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oscar Isaac is sitting at his house in the dark right now with the phone sitting next to him waiting. He's like, Luca Gorgadino and Cohen Brothers, don't do Scarface. Do, do Carlino's way. I'm ready. Yeah. Please don't give this role to Adam Driver. God. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Driver is Carlito. I, I know it's not really like the the best casting in the world oh, at I, the same time, but I could, uh, I mean I would watch the I would I think I at least like a fake trailer of it. I just <laughs> I just pictured Adam Driver saying, "My Puerto Rican ass wasn't supposed to make it this far." My Puerto Rican ass my, wasn't, sport, wasn't supposed to make my, it this far. Yeah. <laughs> he has the Kylo Ren mask, like my Puerto Rican ass. 
<laughs> Carlito's Way, written and directed by Noah Baumbach. <laughs> Actually, you know, I mean, Noah Baumbach is, we got to give credit where credit is due. He is one of the biggest Brian De Palma cheerleaders in the world. He directed the documentary. Uh, he interviews De Palma on the blowout Criterion disc for like an hour. It's And it's a, absolutely awesome. And apparently De Palma has taken upon himself to basically like be kind of a mentor figure to all of the New York, like the, you know, not only Bombback, but like Wes Anderson as well. And they all like worship him and think he's great, despite the fact none of them make movies like Brian De, Brian De Palma. God, I would love to see. An, uh, I feel like it wouldn't. I don't know if it, yeah, it doesn't, definitely doesn't like, it, it wouldn't play up to Noah Baumbach's strengths, but that, but I could see that being interesting, like a, a, a gritty mobster Noah Baumbach film. Wes Anderson doing one would be a lot of fun. That'd be kind of silly. I would, you know, if it's like, I mean, I love Grand Budapest Hotel and there's like, there's like, there's hints of that in that film. I remember on uh, Life Aquatic though, he said like the entire pirate, the pirate um, raid on Zisu's ship sequence mm-hmm. that's such a raw power or is it or the stooges song where stooges. Murray's, the murray's in the speedo shooting like wes was like not in love with doing any of that sequence because it just like the entire like choreography of the action scene just didn't really fit his um very very strict model of what he does you know as um you know even in grand budapest hotel when they're shooting across 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 the um from the balcony the balcony see he's still a, shootout he's still able to put the ca- the camera on dolly track and just basically go back and forth between the two of them in a very like symmetrical Wes Anderson fashion like yeah. he he figured out how to do action scenes his way but I don't think he was there yet on Zisu I'll be real like it took me a long because I liked Bottle Rocket and then like I. As a kid, I hated royal like royal because I was like, I, I don't care about any of these people. They're all jerks. Like, you know, and I want to go back to that film now, but I, I it took me a long time to get back into Wes Anderson, and it took me to like, like I didn't watch a Wes Anderson movie till Moonrise Kingdom. Oh wow! So I need to like, I need to go through that middle those middle movies. He's a big, through. big, yeah. big, big figure in the Saunderson household. you you were introducing me to pretty much every Wes Anderson movie as they were happening. Yeah, I mean, so I, I, we, I mean, we had Bottle Rocket on video Damn. when it first came out, and then I, I saw Rushmore in the theater. I live near Rushmore, like that high school, St. John's. That's in Houston. Uh, Isn't that where the Wilsons went? I think maybe are they are they from? I thought they were from Dallas. They could be from Houston. Uh, I know the Quades may have got because the Quades are from Houston. Okay. Uh, you know, famed famed legends, uh, Den- Dennis and the Dennis, like, um, Dennis, po- Dennis postcards from the edge. Quaid. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what they call him whenever he goes into the club, whenever he goes yeah. into Babylon. Ah, <laughs> oh, postcards from the edge! <laughs> you know, we've, we've been beating around the bush on it, but kind of get around to just kind of Pacino's performance here. Obviously, this one's a little more um, low-key. For yes. Pacino, for '90s Pacino, for yeah. post scent of a woman Pacino, <laughs> but um, and I a little more low key. Yeah, I thought it would be the because like I was so under the impression that this movie was like insane and like just like a wild like not that there aren't insane moments in this movie, but I, I truly did think that Pacino was gonna be like 
just fucking bonkers the entire time, but he's not at all. He is like I was like almost uh not taking it like pleasantly surprised by like how subtle he was at some times mm-hmm. or like uh subdued. Yeah, low key. I I love his response to Laline when he says uh he said he said I'm not gonna kill you, Laline. I'm not even gonna hurt you. You yeah. lost, motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> someone, like, yeah, someone so take good. the someone wheel this man out of here. Wear diapers. Wear diapers. I can't go downstairs, man. I can't, uh, I can't use an escalator. Use an escalator. <laughs> I really, I can't even use an elevator. <laughs> if I had a bris, I wouldn't even feel it. I guess that's a good thing, but I'm not part of the show. It doesn't matter. My new wife, she's Jewish. I gotta convert. I don't know what to do. <laughs> no moil will touch my dick, man. <laughs> oh, that, that almost brings us back to uh, I got a little dick. It's pathetic. <laughs> God, little it does feel dick. like that. It does feel like the true lies. You're right. Acting. Yeah, it has the same magic as. Although, you know, frankly, he should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor, Simon. Simon. True so Lies. He's, yeah. It was his birthday the other day. Big shout out to one of it's our favorites, bad. Bill Paxton. You know, just made everything better. Um, but yeah, I think I think Al's really, he's really good in this movie. But I think it, it does definitely remind me of his performance in Godfather 3 as Michael, where it's like, it, it feels a little more Al, a little more like I got my moves. Like I'll never forget what Karina said about the difference between Kramer versus Kramer and doubt in the Meryl Street in the in, during our Meryl Streep season. It was like she liked Kramer versus Kramer more because he she was like Meryl Streep hasn't figured out all of her moves yet, and doubt is like Meryl Streep doing all of her moves at like a peak level of like what Meryl Streep does best. So it's not it, they're not bad. By any means, because these are like the, some of the great actors and stars that there are. But it definitely it doesn't feel like, you know, when you see the earlier Pacinos, like a Dog Day or uh, even Scarface, it doesn't have this level of like, what is he going to do? Kind of what, quality an, to it. An interesting parallel to me was uh, because it opens kind of the same is Serpico. Hmm. It opens with him getting him being shot yeah. and being, you know, he's in the back of the car. Um, and then it flashed back to what happened. Um, and there's just, there's an amazing looseness to that performance where he feel, you feel like he's exploring um, his kind of boundaries. And, and that, that is, that's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. fun to watch. Yeah, I think so. But it's too. also really fun to watch him. Use all his power. Well, yeah, I mean, this is why we like Heat. This is why we like even Devil's Advocate. It's like, let's let's see him like be cocky and like go through, you know, like do some stuff. You know, he's he's like he's a blast. This is why we like these. And it's like when we started the show, Andrew, when you're like, I'll watch him in anything. It's like, yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah, we we haven't talked about the recruit. We haven't talked about. (laughs) Oh, yeah. two two for the money which i don't know if you've talked about at all in this podcast yet not not often not often very least. not often enough <laughs> we've maybe spent at most two minutes on 88 minutes mm. yeah. oh 
Because a big one that my buddy and I always say to each other all the time is, all this guy does is work out and pick winners. And that's from Two From The Money about Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> you know, and hey, I, I wrote that line myself. I had to say it. Green lights, baby. Oh, man. More. I love green lights. Green lights is a great book. I just gave it to a buddy for a birthday present. I was like, it's like, you're going to like this. I saw that Barnes and Noble selling autographed copies for Father's Day, and I was like, my, this might be the time as a new dad to get to get my own copy of McConaughey's autobiography, it's Green Lights. Great read. It's really fun. Really I'm fun sure book. it is. I love love McConaughey. Yeah, he'll probably become the governor of Texas. I can see that happening. I guess they said they they're like he hasn't voted in Texas since like 1988 or something. Like oh, that. totally believable. <laughs> I mean, I forgot to register for a decade. <laughs> And hey yeah, man, who do I had to vote for? Yeah, I know. But yeah. um I see like yeah, he'd vote for like the it's like the one year that Kinky Friedman ran for office. I could see him <laughs> voting for that. Oh man, I missed that. That's the one great uh Texas governor gubernatorial uh, candidacy. Kinky Friedman with his uh classic bumper sticker slo- uh, slogan, why the hell not? Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah, keep Austin weird. weird, am I right? Oh yeah. <laughs> keep, um keep... but we should uh we should probably start uh, heading toward the finish line here in this i mean obviously like both performances are great both movies are great yes we recommend them both really highly i immediately <laughs> watched i immediately watched body double blowout and the documentary right after i finished these the same <laughs> week because i was like i'm just on a kick man I, and i was yeah. like i am you know looking like is casualties of war streaming <laughs> like i really was just like wanted to be hang out in the De Palma zone as much as possible. <laughs> like, I immediately was like, they should, they should program both of these movies in film school. Mm-hmm. Cause they're, they're incredible. Like the, how, how well planned out all the sequences are that you just don't feel like there's any wasted uh, room that they all just kind of, it all flows. And like that, the fact that they're so long, like, but it doesn't feel that way. They're so entertaining. Mm-hmm. He, he, um, I think you're absolutely right that he should be taught like 101 in film school because, like, the, kind of the, t- the TVification of movies and the, like, yeah, you know, in, in the in, removing the beauty of like absolutely pure visual storytelling, even if the story is like trashy or flimsy, mm-hmm. the, the fact that De Palma's visual storytelling can raise that no matter what it is to like epic levels. Imagine how great that Roseman Pike, Peter Dinklage, uh, was it? I care a lot. Did any of you guys see that movie? I did not see that one. Uh, yeah. Totally serviceable film. Uh, like great. It's like, you know, it's very indicative of our times in the sense that, you know, great performances, okay script, pretty bland TV ish direction. And it's one of those things where, like, fuck, if, like, a Brian De Talma type, like, had this, like, film and had these actors, like... See, the thing about it is, is De Palma needs time. Mm-hmm. And nobody gets time anymore. The only the only person who does it, who gets time, is freaking David Fincher. Or somebody like that. Right. Yeah, and, or, like, Quentin Tarantino. And, yeah. and it shows. It shows in their work. And, and it's exciting that, like, kind of the technology and the tools have been kind of democratize that anyone can move the camera now always 
and do cool shots, but no one does capturing the moment and tension and that next level of visual storytelling like De Palma was doing. Using everything it, I mean, all of his trademark shit, the split diopter, split screens, the zooms, the slow motion, like every single toy in order to accomplish these things is there and it it's just it's so it's awe-inspiring it really is like if you are interested in yeah. making films in particular i think and i think that's even why, just even just the grand central sequence yeah. i would say like just like man this is but this is why like all of his peers like all thought like the world of him thought he was essentially the best like yeah. Scorsese, Spielberg, all of them down the line. I mean, the famous story of like the that if that Star Wars screening that they did, Lucas brought all of them to, and Devolo stands up and just like rips it to shreds, <laughs> screaming his head off. And, Spiel, and Spielberg leaning over is like, I think you have the biggest hit of all time here. <laughs> and just, you know, shows, shows you where the industry and like, but it ultimately it, it ultimately got the crawl at the beginning. Yeah. That was, you know, that's a great legend. Yeah. But um, I mean he's he's a towering figure. I don't know if I mean any of our listeners, you should check out the screenshot of the Brian De Palma's 80th birthday party Zoom that happened last year and who was all there. Because it was Wes Anderson, Noah Baumbach, Greta Gerwig, Steven Spielberg. Martin Scorsese, all getting together to celebrate Brian De Palma's 80th birthday. Oh man, give those guys a last Vegas. I want to see <laughs> yeah, all yeah. those old guys go to Vegas and, and experience hijinks, please. Oh yeah, <laughs> I love it. I, I I just yeah can't recommend these movies more. I can't recommend Whoa. just did, did, dig deep, go in and get watch some weird De Palma movies. I'm so. Glad you guys had me on for yeah. this round of it because yeah, yeah, it's like these movies are amazing. Yeah. And yeah, just time to watch more De Palma movies again and again. Get some uh, get get some tips. I mean, he's there's much to learn from kind of the magic of and you're right, Andrew. It's like all the movies now have like long oneers, moving cameras, that kind of stuff. But absolutely no one does it with the grace and poetry and style. And uh, frankly, use to the story like he yeah. does. <laughs> like all of his moves are show offy, but they all work within the story that yeah. he's trying to tell. They all serve a purpose. They all, yeah, they're yeah, they're seamless and elevated to a level that only he has done, uh, in my opinion, in, in a modern era. I mean, the only person I think that comes close is Scorsese in terms yeah. of. And that and kind Spielberg. of Spielberg, and, and yeah, and he, they sure. all came from the same like, you know, school of it. But anyways, but yeah, I think uh, let's um, first things first. We got to do it, and we got as usual with as we've said many times before. Al Pacino surrounds himself with wonderful weirdos in all of yeah. his movies that are all first and foremost with the namesake of this award, the John Cazale supporting player of the week. We've got. Again, a ton of options this week around. Patrick, hit us with your choice. Oh, God, it's so hard because there's so many, and there's stuff we didn't even talk about. Like, F. Murray Abraham is so yes. great. He rules. Uh, what a de- Jen gasped when he died. 
when oh. we were watching it, I was like, that's the reaction you want. This movie's 40 years old. And, like, and it's like, whoa, that's insane that they yeah. hung him from a helicopter. Oh, <laughs> what a bonkers. How expensive that shot must have been. <laughs> insane. But, Bravo. Uh, Bravo. Yeah, oh, it rules. Uh, <laughs> Robert Loja is great. Like this weird laughing mobster that's kind of like uh, Gonda. What's the term? Like Gonda Seed? What's it? In a, yeah. Or. You know, when like you're a little, you're past kinda, your time. He's kind of washed. Speaking yeah. of, because I can't, I, my my favorite Robert Loja part is like his last one when he was on The Sopranos, when he was speech <laughs> on The Sopranos. I thought you were going to say <laughs> the Tim and Eric. Oh, yeah, movie. yeah, the Tim and Eric yeah. Radar movie. Yeah, you're right. I do love that too. Oh, yes. Yeah. One, yeah. God, we Definitely. could do a, we could do a, oh, we could do a Loja bracket. But man, oh yeah, when he gets set back up in The Sopranos, he goes right back to prison. It's amazing. And you hear the story? They just didn't like him. Wow. <laughs> like, they had a longer storyline for him, but they're like, oh, you know, he's so good in Lost Highway. Have you ever seen the scene in Lost Highway where he uh, gets after the guy who's tailgating him? No. Don't- Listen here, motherfucker. There are rules the road. Five car lengths. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, I remember him so vividly. I don't know if you remember this, Don, from this orange juice commercial. Yeah, we Robert Loja. Like, <laughs> so, what? Yeah. There was this. Who he is. <laughs> there was this orange juice commercial where this kid <laughs> is like not drinking his orange juice, and then all of a sudden. Loja comes into the kitchen and he goes, Robert Loja. We'll, we'll track it down. Goes, we'll put it on our. You gotta feet. drink your orange juice, Tommy. Insane. We'll, we'll post. We'll post it. We'll find. Please. I'm sure it's not. Yeah, that was burned into my memory. That's like, oh my goodness. It's like getting like. It's like a cool teen, like you know, not drinking his juice, and then June Squibb comes to convince him. Whoa, it's June Squibb. Boner, boner donor. Uh, that's Hubie, Hubie Halloween reference right there. <laughs> oh, did yeah. you see? Did, did you see Cool Kid uh, Bill De Blasio? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, it was like Steve Buscemi on Thirty Rock. He looked ex- <laughs> or for a Community. It looked yeah. exactly like him. Yeah. Or the um, somebody was posting the uh, again the Mister Show Lionel the John Ennis character the like totally grungified kids. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, my my all that is good stuff and recommended people. Oh, it's all great. Give it a go. I'm giving it to Stephen Bauer. I gotta oh. give. I'm giving it to Manny. Nice, nice. I love. I love his performance as this uh, weird like hunk that's like his good friend, and uh, it's a. Uh, he has a lot to do. I like. He's, he's so also my run. He's also my runner up for look of the week. Oh, by far. Oh, he's yeah. my. You saw my background. He's 100% my look of the week. I love his crazy Hawaiian shirt in that one scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. man. It's so good. Uh, but uh, I just love and It's so it's such a bummer when he dies. Like, you know, it's going to happen, but it's just like. Uh, well, but, like I mean, De Palma does all the slow motion stuff. He really ramps it up big time. The The score comes in really high to let really underline for us that um, this was important. Yep. Gina, <laughs> Gina, I close up to eyes, uh, but uh, and then like a like a minor, and then like some micro tutches to all the other members of that. Game. I just love that little squad, like him, Nick, uh, CC, and then what was the last one? I think it's like uh, Ed, Ed, Eduardo, maybe. Ah, man, the guy who like 
uh, is spared by Tony. And he's oh, like, I love hey, that sequence. You want a job? This is like acting like the dang Joker. There. Yeah, a regular Jared Leto. <laughs> okay, that's that's the that's Joker. That's the Joker everyone goes to. Yeah. Everyone's favorite Joker. I'm a I'm a Cesar Romero fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a yeah I'm a, a Jared Leto. I'm trying to think of an even more obscure joke. There probably isn't one. I don't care. So, like, soon, soon. Yeah. At, at some point, much like boxers, every male actor of a certain age God. to prove their chops as an actor is going to have to do some Joker. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to Joker it. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, Timothy Chalamet in five years. Yeah, Timothy I'm Chalamet, got to be a Joker. Yeah, Lucas know. Hedges, yep. I can see that. <laughs> Paul Walter Hauser, yep. <laughs> oh, I would love to see Paul Walter Hauser as Richard Jewell as the Joker. Sold. So please, Richard Joker. Oh, directed by Clint Eastwood. Let's yes. do it all. Let's do it all. Clint Eastwood's the Joker. <laughs> uh, just a sad uh, Walter Hauser in clown makeup, like uh, kind of fondling a donut. <laughs> That's my beautiful yeah, boy. I, the you, Joker. You, you think I'm the enemy? The real enemy is the liberal media. <laughs> I guess like Sam Rockwell is his character in that movie as the Sam Rockwell, Rockwell is Lynn Wood. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, yeah, deep, deep cuts again. Um, mine's mine's pretty easy. I I think it's just I, this is might seem obvious. It's Sean oh. Penn. It's oh, Sean I know. Penn. I knew it. David Kleinfeld. I think it's just uh, might be my favorite Sean Penn performance. I I'm probably forgetting something, but um. I mean, he's good in Fast Times oh, at Ridgemont yeah. High. We all know that, but um, he's really good in this movie. And I kind of, I like him as a character actor. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, who knows what, I mean, God only knows that guy, what the next few years of his career are going to look like. Mm. He's written like two novels recently. I mean, he's, he's, a wild, he's a wild man. <laughs> I don't know, but um, yeah. he's really buff too. Like he's like weirdly like he's like um. Oh, is it kind of like a Iggy Pop sort of thing where he's just like? Um, uh, oh, I would have put it almost closer to like Ben Stiller. Like, oh. sh- like what? Why? Why are you so? Where or Joel McHale would be another example of why he got those muscles. Yeah, what's like? What's happening here? It's kind of like, yeah. like Sean Penn seems like he should be like wiry and like a kind of like a like short fused wild card, not you know because I think he made that movie The Gunman. A few years ago, you remember the gunman? It bulked up a lot for that one. And he was trying, I think he was trying for a Liam Neeson second stage of his career. You can't you can't just be Liam Neeson. No. Nah. If we've well, learned anything. Well, here's the thing. That 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 like demographic definitely like the 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 my parents demographic. I know my mom and dad personally hate Sean Penn with a passion. <laughs> Fiery passion. They will not watch a single pen thing. So uh <laughs> Yeah, he's he's got kind of like he really did kind of like take the mantle, the the necklace, the gauntlet of liberal Hollywood. Uh, Andrew, you Kazale. Ooh, tough one. You guys took both of the big supporting actor. Sorry. No, I know. <laughs> I think there's options still on the table. No, of course. Oh, it's yeah. just I mean I'm gonna go with a guy that just changes the temperature in the room 
And go with Vigo, because yeah. I love Vigo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, yeah. if Patrick had picked 10, I was going to pick Vigo. <laughs> I love Laleen. I will, I will stand Laleen all yeah. for the rest of my days. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's great. It's the kind of thing that, like, and Vigo shows up in a handful of movies throughout the 90s doing stuff like this, where he's kind of making his way and you're kind of getting to know him. And he's like, well, this guy's interesting. He's in. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a show stopping moment, and you, you like the film just stop. Uh, it's kind of just like okay, like who is this guy, and what is he about, and you're just like all in. It's almost like one of the few moments of the film where it could almost work as like a short film, like by itself, yeah. like that one moment. Like you don't need to know that much; you just need to know that this guy is like his life is fucked up, and because has- Laleen doesn't set up anything. No, no, at all. He comes out of nowhere. <laughs> no, I mean, it would be, like, it would be cut, but it adds, like, interesting color mm-hmm. to the entire movie. I remember, um, another David Fincher story, but um, on The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, they wanted to cut the entire sequence where he goes for a walk with Little Man O.T., and they just talk on the train and everything like that, and they see it, because he was like, why do you need this? And he's like, that just feels right. It's like kind of builds it up and kind of like adds to the world. And I agree completely. It's one of my favorite scenes in that entire movie. I Well, <laughs> one story that I do not want to miss that I love so much um, is uh, the pool hall sequence from Carlito's way. Um, first screening of it. Studio note was, um, don't you think the pool, pool hall sequence is a little long? And uh, David Kep went to De Palma and said, he's like, hey, what do you think about this? He's like, this, this scene's great. And he goes, no, he's like, they're right. It's just not long enough. <laughs> <laughs> Was the same thing, I guess, on um, Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah, so that, he extended um, it. He made yeah, it longer. They cut Dog Day Afternoon to like uh, 107, 106 minute wise. And he's just like, when it reaches the will scene, it just doesn't hit. And we need to pad it out to get to that because it's all about the rhythm. And Duvalma understands that. All the great directors. Yeah, they, they said they thought that it was cut shorter and mm-hmm. they made it longer because yeah. it just functioned better. I mean, obviously the tendency too, even if you're making short films, is like cut it down, cut it down, cut it down, cut it down. And uh, sometimes that isn't the... Um, that isn't no. your best move. No. Yeah. Oh, also like a, a special shout out to Gino Silva really quickly as the skull and Scarface. Oh. Just a great yeah. little, like, you know, silent, just like a, you know, one of those Robert Patrick style performances where like, didn't have to say anything. Totally but scary. We knew, we knew cause the way he shot and the way he's entering the place, we knew he was the one who was oh, yeah. coming, who was going to be the one who got Tony. He's I love one. a good, like big bad. She <laughs> <laughs> didn't show it up. Uh, and interesting that the uh, the insert of him shooting Tony is pretty much identical framing to the Benny Blanco shot. Oh, I was really? like, I, I was didn't like, notice hey, that. It's almost exact. Interesting. Like, oh, Interesting. There's some fun parallels to this film. Very, very cool. Yeah, there, there definitely are. I mean, I think, yeah. And it's, it, you know, the other thing I wanted to bring up real quick before we move on to the, the thing I wanted, like, the the ten year gap between Scarface and Carlitos, sixteen year gap between Godfather two 
in Godfather three. It's how an artist ages. It's how they get older. It's like how they, what they care about as they get older. It's like the visceral quality, like the nihilism, frankly, that's on display in both <laughs> definitely Scarface and the darkness, at least to Godfather two, they're okay. They seem a little more okay living in that zone. Whereas now that they're in their fifties, heading into their sixties, for these these ones in the nineties, they're definitely like, like, no, I'm a good guy, please. <laughs> you know, there's like, you know, they want to like get away. They want to like have like happiness with their wives. You know, it's definitely like a much different attitude when they're more comfortable older men who are like still provocateurs, still artists, but not really like willing to, you know, I don't know if maybe actually if any of them would do it again, De Palma would make another blowout with a terribly bleak ending. I think, I think he'd be up for it too. If they get, if somebody gave him the money, I don't think it's, I sadly, I don't think it's happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah, At at 80 years old and he's rubbed everyone in Hollywood the wrong way. Uh, I don't think. I, I haven't seen Domino. Did you? I heard it's, um, I have not. I want to, um, just, for the sake of being a completist, I guess. <laughs> but um, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, I, I thought, um, I thought passion had moments. Yeah, I like the two leads. They, they think they fit De Palma's world pretty well. I think even Black Dahlia has moments. Even oh, though definitely. Black Dahlia is weirdly cast, I think it has moments. I liked it when I first saw it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, the Viamo Sigmon uh, cinematography is. Worth the price of watching at least one time. And the shot where it kind of goes over the building when they find the body, but then there's the shootout going on the block away. I mean, he's still doing amazing stuff. Yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> we should <laughs> we should get to it. Uh, yeah. This is a tough one. I'm curious where it goes. I don't know where uh, either of you are leaning. We've, we've I think, I think I, I don't think I have necessarily, but I think you guys have played your cards a little closer to your vests. So, uh, here's where it goes, Patrick. Hit us with your uh, hit us with your vote. Who is going to meet the insider in round two? This is tough, man. On one hand, I truly think that uh, Al Pacino, in some ways, has more to work with in Carlito's way. Like his character is rounded out in such a way that he gets to uh, emote. Like I don't know, he gets to have like an interior life in that film in a way he doesn't get to have in Scarface. Uh, you know, you get to see like a, just, you know, a softer side of him that uh, is probably non-existent in the character in Scarface uh, in some regards. Um, it does also have some dodgy uh, vocal stuff happening. I, I do stand by it sometimes sounding like, yeah, if Lieutenant Frank Slade doing his Mike Tyson impression, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> but uh, but uh, it's a testament to Al Pacino's likability and uh, talent as an actor that even through that, I'm still like invested in his character and I, and I you know, I'm, I'm feel for him when he's dying and it's like, oh, this is the end of Carlito. This stinks. Like, uh, <laughs> His last, uh, he's having his last drink in the bar of, of his brain. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> his brain bar is about to shut down. Um, we didn't even call. talk about it. Lights out. Oh, out. <laughs> we might be teasing it for later on. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Scarface, uh, though, is like, oh, man. Like, yeah. 
like Andrew said this, like he does sell it in like no other actor. Like the way he cr- he's a he's a master crumpler, and then like when he's not crumpling, he's freaking just shooting people with grenades and like just becoming a chaos entity, like a just a full on chaos entity. A real uh, Joker. A real Joker. A regular the Punisher. Uh, a, re- a regular Moon Knight. Uh, but uh. <laughs> Just other obscure comic book characters. Uh, just, uh, but, uh, God, yeah. You know what? Uh, I went into this thinking, man, uh, not Manhunter. Uh, totally different film. <laughs> yeah, Manhunter uh, wins. <laughs> wow, that's a wild card. Yeah, they wrote, they wrote to Tom Noonan. Uh, <laughs> I, I would believe on this podcast that somehow Michael Mann just wins. I don't know. <laughs> the best actor goes to Michael yeah. Mann. Yeah, <laughs> Miami Vice out of nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> uh, for his cameo in Parenthood, I don't. He doesn't have a cameo in Parenthood. I just made that up. Uh, I'm gonna give it to fucking Scarface. Fuck it. I'm giving <laughs> I love, it to Scarface. I love every every one of your ones recently. Patrick has been fuck it. Yeah, so, I think, I think, um, I think what it comes down to for me is I think he's really good. In Carlito's way. I think he's yeah. doing what he needs to do. I think it's yeah. fun. I think it's a really fun movie. You do root for Carlito. I mean, I think like the grin he has on his face when he thinks he's gotten away at the end when he's running to the train and uh, he's going to Gale right before he gets it. He really like believes Also the look on his face when he dies. Yeah. Or the last, like the his like close up. It's like a unique look for Pacino. He, he he's in it i mean and like you know like we've said all along i mean even when he's a ham he's doing it on purpose like yeah. he's got he's got some sort of idea in his head that this is the right call and this is the right move and he's he this is what makes him so special and so exciting and brilliant um this time around though when i watched scarface like i was just like this is like one of the most sweaty visceral muscular like completely committed to the chaos agent performance. Like people talk about, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is the Joker and his commitment to that kind of thing. Like Pacino's doing the same level of commitment and saying like, oh, like real like major league choices in Scarface. I just think like this is one of his best. I, I'm surprised. I didn't think so like going into this tournament that I would feel this way. I thought it was going to be like, uh, he's kind of a ham, whatever. But I'm like, even from, like you said, Andrew, from like the moment it opens and he's just like talking shit to those agents and he's just like getting him like cocky as hell and stuff. You're just like, man, we're in for a treat. And he never lets up. He never breaks. Yeah. He's for 170 minutes. He is committed to this psycho. Full, full force and this the you're right too the um the bad guy sequence the dinner scene where he's like getting thrown out of the restaurant and talk it, it's just incredible he's just incredible in the thing and Great like, drunk acting too like he's not like it's not like uh that's so easy to fuck up <laughs> yeah i i just think like it yes it's big but boy it's exciting I don't know, man. It's like, and even if you tried, if you're a young actor, you're like, that's what I want to do. I'd be like, okay, but just a warning, like you might go bad for you <laughs> pretty fast. But I, yeah, my vote's with Scarface as well. So what do you got, Andrew? 
Well, you've painted me into a corner, but yeah, I know. I know. I, uh, um, no, I I had all intention when you told me about doing this to I was ready to vote for Carlito's way. Same, because I was like, he's really good in it. I think, but I think really what it kind of comes down to is that I think Carlito's way as a movie is just grossly underrated and is a phenomenal film that does so many incredible things well and i mean if you love if you love cinema and are a film nerd there's just so much to geek out on in carlito's way that's so exciting and the performances as a whole are so good because it's all these guys working at the top of their game you know, like that whole idea of like they they have all their tricks and all their tools and they've honed them in where it's like Penn can Penn is operating at his best. Pacino is operating with all his skills. De Palma is operating with all his skills. Like so I love Carlito's way as a film. I really like his performance in it. Um, I had no intention of voting for Scarface <laughs> at all. I mean, um, you know, it is that thing of like, oh, did this usher in an era where he got rewarded for a... Being a psycho. <laughs> being wild. Yeah, yeah going, going wild. And he did, and maybe that's a good thing. And maybe... Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really fun. Um, you, you know, he's he's iconic for a reason, and it's crazy that it holds up. Yeah, it's wild that it does. So I'll throw my I'll throw my hat in for uh, Scarface as well. Wow! I'll give it to, to Tony Montana. Three zero, Scarface takes it, and Patrick. But everyone watch Carlito's Way. Yeah, everyone watch Carlito's Way. But do we have a um, a dark horse here in Scarface? Maybe the insider is really good. It's gonna be a tough matchup. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a very interesting. You're definitely getting two very different sides of Al Pacino. I feel in like those two films. Did you feel on the Meryl Streep one though that? anything that was rewatchable helped moving forward in the bracket. So like Scarface feels like it's kind of infinitely rewatchable as a character, like Tony Montana. It might, uh, you know, I mean, I I think what we're finding out is like, there's this like just general steady classiness, even like something as bonkers as Mamma Mia. Meryl Streep is bringing like a like a steadiness yeah to the entire thing whereas like Pacino is so like such a wild card and you don't know what is gonna what is coming at all I mean that's a crazy thing about Tony Montana is that he's so steady at that pitch yeah and that's what's incredible about like and he never falters yeah. yeah. Well, it feels like the whole movie to me feels like this like giant like perfect moving like you know like the the the, the board game mousetrap. It feels like this perfect like mousetrap style thing that Brian De Palma has created, 
and uh, uh, Scarface, uh, Tony Montana, like Al Pacino's role, like is a is like a cog or a puzzle piece that is like uh, fits in perfectly and is necessary. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if uh, like that uh, same sentiment. Uh, can be said about all of the insider also in its own way. Like, like Michael Mann is like, you know, he creates his own worlds in a, in a, in a similar, but very different way as well. He's also like, I think he's like, kind of like in some ways, and right. Is he like, in, yeah. I feel like he's a director, very similar to Brian De Palma in some weird ways. Like, Don's just biting his lip that he, that. that he can't believe that it's not heat. That's all. Yeah. That's all he's thinking. It's, just, it's like, yeah, we did. Miss how it. is this we, not Vincent? We watched the same movie. <laughs> We did miss the title fight of the century. Like, yeah, the Heat versus Scarface showdown. We were robbed. Oh, boy. We, the, our next guest is probably thankful that we're not asking her to watch six hours of... um. Oh, God, yeah. Only five and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... um, Yeah, it's, it's interesting thinking. I don't, you know, you don't want to compare, but it's like the Meryl Streep season for all the time. And, like, we definitely put a lot of, like quiet or not so quiet force into hoping that Florence Foster Jenkins would win yeah. the entire thing. Like we wanted the chaos that of that, but in at the end of the day, looking back on it, it was always just a slow march to Sophie's choice. Yeah. There was, it was never going in any other direction than that. I don't know what movie is going to win at all for this season. Like it could go. It's going to get really interesting. Yeah. And we, I mean, we have a huge episode coming up, the Dog Day Afternoon Godfather Two God. episode, which, I mean, heaven knows. That's realistically a championship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, we were talking like an early like Duke versus Kentucky in the second round kind of right. thing, or something like that. And we, it's yeah. already, yeah. There's only like there's only one movie that because um, I feel like with the Meryl Streep one, there were a couple movies that we got Stockholm syndrome with. Like I think you could, we could argue that Sophie's Choice. Like we both oh, were initially did, yeah. not super hot on it. It only took like it was a roller coaster. Yeah, it took like four or five feel, uh, viewings for us to get big brother to like you know like yeah. to be like oh it's good. But even like Mamma Mia, like the second time we watched it, we were like this is great. Oh, that rolled it. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, like the only one we have like that is Scent of a Woman. That's the only movie, and I'm I'm, I'm I think I think of, me too. I'm I'm anticipating the second screening of Scent of a Woman. I'm already before. kind of on board, like because I feel like for me that happened by the end of the movie. Like by the time we got to the court, I was like hell yeah, this guy rule. I love. Yeah. I love this I, I wish. Man. I mean, I, Donnie Brasco was the clear winner, but I do wish. Yeah. Devil's Advocate versus Scent of a Woman had happened. I had to vote for it just I just I had to vote for it just for that reason. Like I wanted like a little bit, and I and I stand by my vote. Hashtag the Devil's Advocate was robbed, but uh, you know, uh, go on Venmo. Hey, go you on. know, go back. Hashtag to- Kevin Lomax lives. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin uh, Lomax lives. Hashtag uh, Justice for Ricky. I just want to get that out there. <laughs> to maintain no. that one yep. ricky in the flash ricky not as flash. not that bad oh, <laughs> i like yeah. i like you got it. demi right i know yeah oh yeah we demi. talked about it <laughs> I, love, I love me some rick springfield i love but, me. I, I mean it played florence foster jenkins the um beloved film oh yes our one of our faves now which we will we will do that recording we promise, we will do a commentary. once i am fully vaccinated patrick and i will get in the same room and we're going to record an audio commentary 
for Florence Foster Jenkins. My, my first time that's, hanging out. I'll, I'll listen to that one. That's it. That's an Academy Academy guarantee. Maybe we'll buy some Coppola wine while we watch it. Too. Oh, please! Yeah. Or, like, oh, we gotta see any of the major cast members. Like this. Like does uh. I think Simon. I, wine. I think Simon Helberg lives in Los Feliz, Ooh. so maybe we can get him to drop by. Yeah, I, I doubt it. But we can. Know, we can, we can... I think I saw him at the coffee bean once. Um, But yes, so Insider versus Scarface coming up in a few weeks. Very interesting matchup. Next week, we're going to have another really fun one next week. Serpico versus Cruising. Man. I think. And we haven't watched Serpico yet. I think Serpico is another one. And the winner of those two, though, has to meet Scarecrow. Which is going to be a very interesting matchup as Talk well. About Batman villains. One of <laughs> one of the last films I saw before quarantine. Wow! I saw it in theater with um, Schatzberg uh, in conversation with Harmony Korine uh, after the screening, and it was phenomenal. And it makes me miss the miss the movies every day. Oh man, I can't wait to. I think the Alma Draft House is going to be selling tickets soon. I'm so. Uh, I already the, um, yeah. the Arrow just announced today they're coming back, and apparently the American Cinematheque is taking over the Los Feliz 3, which is really exciting news because the Los Feliz 3 is, of course, like four blocks from my house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. I, already, I, already, I already reserved my first ticket for a movie. In uh, I'm gonna see uh, God, and I can't believe this is the movie I chose. But I was like, I, I need to see a movie. I'm gonna be watching Cruella, May oh. 28th. That'll be my first movie back in the real world. And here's I, my here's my reasoning. The movie looks not my type of movie. I'm only interested because it's like the Itania gang is coming back together. Yeah, and I Paul, love, I Paul love Walter Margot, Hauser in the mix yeah. again too. Oh, yeah, Paul Walter Hauser, Margot Robbie, Craig. Oh, it's, a, it's uh, I'm sorry, it's um. It's Emma Stone. Oh, not Marco no! Robbie. No! <laughs> oh, no. no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Folks, uh, breaking news. Movie oh. theaters have closed again due to an error by Patrick Grimm. <laughs> oh, no. This is worse than the Bill Nighy situation. Yeah. You should just buy a ticket to see the new Saw with Chris Rock. I oh, think yeah. that there that would go. be a much better choice. But, Honestly, um, I saw Tenet's playing in 70mm at the Arrow. It's very, oh, very yes. tempting to drive out there for it. Um, so, Patrick, our game this week. Yes. Are we doing... Um, is your returning favorite this yes. week? Oh, okay, yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. We're doing Introduce what's in, it. We're doing What's in the Boxed. And uh, <laughs> basically, the premise of this game is I find... Uh, random letterbox reviews of Al Pacino films. And based on these reviews that I will uh, uh, say to you, you have to determine A, the uh, uh, the film it is reviewing, and B, the uh, one out of five star rating. Uh, each of these is a point. First person to five points wins. I got like uh, 30 random ones. We're going to just, uh, I'll, we'll start off. We're not going to do them all. I think we're going get to get through it pretty quickly. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna start off with one of my favorite ones. Uh, are we, do we have to buzz in, or what, how are we doing this? Uh, oh yeah, we're bu- sorry. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know what? Uh, raise your hand, Patrick. Raise your hand. Uh, whatever you see first. No, you know what? Uh, just ask. Uh, sk- uh, say Carlito. Okay. First person. Okay. First person. <laughs> Carlito. <laughs> I will give you. <laughs> 
<laughs> so uh, here we go. Uh, first person to say Carlito gets to bud, gets to go. Uh, here's the first one. Uh, where are you, Poopsie? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Book of Job, 38, 4, 7. Carlito. Okay, Donald, this is you. The Devil's Advocate, one star. Uh, wrong on both counts. It is uh, Jack and Jill, three stars. <laughs> Jack, that, is, that is Jack and Jill, three stars. Where were well. you? <laughs> Where <All> right. were <laughs> you? <laughs> uh, okay. Ooh. Okay. It's tough. It's tough. So these, uh, let's see. What's the next one? Here we go. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> I'm a Luigi, number one. I'm a Luigi, number one. Carlito. <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> Godfather, five stars. <laughs> Wow. Yes. Wait, really quickly. Which Godfather? Ooh. <laughs> Pick a number. <laughs> I was going to say one. Nah, it's, we got, oh, it is uh, Godfather Part 2, but a five-star review. So you get one yeah. point. All right. That was, good, that was a good Carlito, sir. Uh <laughs> Excellent, Carlito. Uh, here we go. One zero, Andrew. Uh, here we go. <laughs> uh, this makes me feel so good about having no ambition whatsoever. Carlito. Mm, okay. Andrew. Scarecrow. Uh, four stars. Ah, yes on the star rating. Two zero. But unfortunately, it is uh, Scarface. <laughs> <laughs> this makes me feel good about having no ambition whatsoever. Haha. -ha. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> can I get one movie where Al Pacino isn't horny? Can I please get Carlito? One movie? Carlito. Oh, done. Two stars, scent of a woman. Uh, two stars. Giving it to you there. Uh, the stand up guys. <laughs> the stand-up guys, of course. Stand of course, like, so the classic, you, the classic. How could we, how could we forget the stand-up guys? <laughs> but Don is now on the board, two-one. Last Vegas. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. Uh, someone needs to make a letterboxed list that's like movies where Kevin Spacey gets his shit fucked up. Someone needs to make a letterboxed list. That's like movies where Kevin Spacey... Carlito! Andrew. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Um, we'll go five stars. He loves it. You know what? Very close. Uh, it is uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, uh, Glenn Ross, four stars. <sighs> so close. Liked it, didn't love it. Hey. <laughs> loved uh, Kevin Spacey getting the shit fucked up. Uh, right, I thought maybe that's a five. <laughs> yeah, it was a stew of you. I, it was a I was going to guess Outbreak, but that's Dusty Hoffman. Oh man, what a cursed film! How prick! A lot of, a lot of cursed. <laughs> well, uh, Freeman's in that too. He was, he was groping. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, uh, so three one. And Stand up, guys. Oh wait, four one or three one? Three one. Three. Yeah, three, three one. Three, one. Yeah. three one. Uh, <laughs> I love this one. It's so. Al Pacino ruined my life. 
Al Pacino, lowercase, Al Pacino ruined my life. <laughs> 38 likes, Al Pacino ruined my life. 38 likes. Carlito. Andrew. Another Jack and Jill. One star. Ah, uh, wrong on both. Three stars, author, author. <laughs> that one was challenging. That's fair. That's a hard one. I'm, I'm doing so. I'm going to find some easier ones. It's uh, uh, Here we go. Uh, you know what? This is going to be a gimme. Ready, guys? This is a gimme. I laughed very hard when Adam Sandler, period, had boobies. Uh, Carlito. Yes, done. The film is Jack and Jill. Okay, yeah. And uh, three stars. Oof. Got one point. Uh, Jack and Jill, correct. Five stars. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to get five. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah, is a five. Also, also of course. The, this guy's... Uh, this guy's uh, well, Sandler, Sandler had boobies. That's a five star. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, this guy's uh, profile pick is, I think, Dobby the Elf. <laughs> Dobby the Elf loved Adam Sandler. So Adam what are we, are we looking at? Three, two? We're at three, two. It's getting close. Getting oh. We're almost there. We're getting there. It's getting. Uh, no, nah, I'm not gonna do that one. Uh, here we go. Bobby Deerfield. <laughs> uh, I too. Manglehorn. <laughs> I I too cry while watching Oprah. Viva la Revolution. Throws Molotov cocktail and uh, asterisks. I too cry while watching Oprah. Viva la Revolution. Throws Molotov cocktail. Shivers. I too cry while watching Oprah. Viva oh, la Revolution. A review left on April 23rd, 2021. Well, this could be. Oh. Carlito. Done. A reticent done. Four stars. Frankie and Johnny. Ooh, four stars. Ocean's 13. Ocean's. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ocean's I think there's 13. no purpose. Yeah. So we okay. tied? Somehow, Somehow we're tied. Somehow we're tied. <laughs> we're getting there. Okay, here we go. This is like watching a two-hour genius improv class. So funny and sad and all the emotions. Well, whoever's watching two hours of improv is already in trouble. <laughs> Perhaps the most broken brained person on, yeah, on Letterboxd. <laughs> yeah, they, they called it a class, too, which is even worse. <laughs> <laughs> this is like watching a two-hour genius improv class. So funny and sad and all emotions. Um, Carlio. Ah, done. Um... Five stars, sin of a woman. Ooh, uh, you're right on the stars. Uh, four and a half, going to give Ryan that to five. Uh, Dog Day Afternoon. Oh. Oh, wow. Dog Thought it might be a scarecrow one again. <laughs> oh, here we go. This is Gilf era Pacino. Gilf era Pacino. I'm going to Carlito. Yes, Andrew. Gilf. I'm going to go um, Hunters, four stars. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's four stars. Uh, it's Donnie Brasco. I love someone watched Donnie Brasco and was like, this man is a gilf. <laughs> uh, 
you get a point though. So well, it's they, they heard he had a you know, no, it's four, 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 right? Four, oh, four. it's four, four. Oh shit, you're right. They heard, oh, they heard, they heard. Lefty had a horse cock, so he's a gilf. That's true. It is quite. He's quite the gilf. Oh man, the final, the final one. Okay, let me find a good one. Here we go. Oh, no, I'm not gonna do that one. That's that's just for Patrick. Uh, uh, here we go. This is a tough one. You guys ready for this? Uh. Motherfucker, a genius, bro. <laughs> Motherfucker, uh, a genius. Carlito. <laughs> yes, Andrew. Heat, five stars. Yeah, you win. It's five stars. Chinese coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another rousing game of what's in the box. <laughs> Oh, you people on Letterboxd who write these reviews. Good for you. Oh, people. hell yeah. I love you. Wow. Well, we wouldn't have... I mean, we, we knew we wanted to have you on, Andrew, for as long as we've had our show, which is... and uh, But I think we've picked the right one to talk about De Palma this time around. Thank you so much for dropping by. Is there anything you would like to plug on your way out? Um... There's a um, new Apple documentary series uh, called The Me You Can't See uh, about mental health that I was an editor on. Um, that comes out May 21st. And um, a couple of my short films are on Amazon Prime, if you got that. Summer Lightning, Birthday Boy. Um, and then also want to plug this podcast. Oh, I want to plug, uh, I want to give a big plug to Don Saunderson, who <laughs> showed me so many of these <laughs> movies in this bracket. And, <laughs> uh, had fostered so much of my love for movies. So this was awesome. Oh yeah. Thank you, buddy. It was so much fun. Did we I, break a runtime record? We're, I don't, we're, we're getting close at the very least. Might, <laughs> I was like, a couple bathroom breaks. Who knows? But, um, you know, we're going to, uh, to close out the show this week, we got a great guest. We're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, Patrick, who did not tell because it's a surprise. Um, <laughs> get, you never believe who just dropped by. Carlito. Brigante himself, and he would like to sign off on the show today. So take it away, Carlito. Recording's over. Podcast is done. Next episode. Oh, you must remember this is up next. I'll listen to that. New season. Not for me. Season's over. Canceled. Not the way you think canceled, though. Not canceled culture. It's canceled. It's done. By choice, or maybe not. Who knows? Ask Gail. Anyway, lights are fading. Trains are leaving the station. Plane. There's a plane. There's a boat. All modes of transportation are leaving wherever they are docked. They're gone. Turn off the computer. Turn off the lights. Don't waste electricity. You don't need it no more. This is Carlito Brigante for the Academy Academy. Signing off. Time to go.